True. Uh, okay. Anyway, no more goofing. No more goofing around. Uh, hope we're all no doing well tonight. Around? Yeah. No more goofing around. We're done. We're done with the Why? goofing around. He's like right here. Yeah. But you're over there. Too. I don't know. It's just getting weird. In any case, it is. Uh, it is. Ju- it is June 9th. It's not July yet. We're getting to the crunch time of the draft. Uh, we'll start over. We're joined by the McKean's video team, Mr. Sam McGilligan and Greg Revac above me. How you doing, fellas? Spectacular. Fantastic. Good, good to know. Good to know. I'm gonna just jump right into the questions because we're really dragging behind here, and uh, we should we should catch up. Uh, the first question, Greg, you might be able to shine some light on this one. Mark Andre Duhame asked, "Why is it difficult to project a goaltender? Everybody seems to have difficulty projecting goaltenders, except dominant ones like Yaroslav Askarov, Jesper Wallstead, and Spencer Knight." I have my own philosophy on this. I don't know if you want to chime in first. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a start, and then you can tell me where I'm wrong. <laughs> Because for me, goaltending is like voodoo because there's a small sample size and a lot of hand-eye and soft skills that are really hard and not so obvious to look at compared to a skater. Like, oh, that kid is fast. I can tell this. Man, he has great hockey IQ. Look at all the great decisions he makes. Goalies, you really can't see that. Like, you kind of almost need to get to know the kids really, really well and then just what's their skating like. Yeah, I mean, my my read is always – you know, I feel I feel like with guys like the names mentioned there, especially Jesper Wallstead, like I never ever advertise myself as a goaltending expert, but you watch Jesper Wallstead play and he was like a robot. You know, he was like a transformer robot where he was constantly square to the puck, super super efficient with his motion, and that's something you can pick up on pretty quick. Um, I think the other problem too is is goaltending a lot of the time is mental, like especially at the highest of high levels. Like I bet that a lot of the top, top end goaltenders are really, really, really good, but it's about like mental preparedness and like, how do you let the sort of game affect you? Like, like for example, again, I am not at all a high level hockey player at all, but I play ball hockey sometimes. And I feel a lot of the time in isolation, if I'm by myself, I can do some stuff that in a game situation, I'm not nearly as comfortable trying or doing. And I feel like with goaltenders, you can stop pucks and practice all you want, but in the heat of the moment in a game, I feel like it's just a different ball game and it's a lot more stuff going on all at the same time and like mentally trying to stay dialed in as much. I feel like that's a hard thing to identify in a 17 year old concretely, right? And be like, okay, well, in pro, right? They'll do this and this and this. Whereas guys like Wallstead and Askarov, uh, to me, were a little bit different because they were already playing pro hockey and like playing at at levels where there's fans in the stands that are, you know, watching grown men play and it's grown competition and everything. And it just makes it a little bit more clear to see what level the guys are actually playing at. But yeah, I mean, I don't have a goalie rank this year. I don't know what, I don't know what to think about goalies this year. I have no idea. So it's just a different name of the game. Like, like Greg, you said, like just, you can identify with a player or skater a lot more about what they're doing when the, the game's going on around them. Whereas goaltenders, it's a lot more difficult. Um, so yeah, uh, what, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, Fire Sam, away. Sam, what do you got for us? <laughs> oh, dude, are you not talking to the right person? Yeah, he's like, no, my only theory with it is pretty much, well, it's a lot of it's like what Will said about the mentality of it, just like the mental side of it. And another thing is mostly just, I think goalies have so much post-draft development, mostly because no position, what's the right word? I guess lags behind the level of competition that they're at more than the others so like a forward can play a level up and who knows maybe they could adapt right away but a goalie now has to learn a ton in terms of timing reads just every 
jump up is more complex for a goalie than it is for the other positions. And it just makes it harder to predict how, like, look how they're being drafted in junior hockey most of the time. And they got to go play in the best league in the world, like six years down the line. There's a lot that can go wrong. It's extremely hit or miss. And like you said, so much of it is based on mental, uh, like a mental state thing where I'm just like, I can't speak with them directly. I'm not, I'm not scouting them. <laughs> I don't know what I'm right. I'm not the guy to do it. Um, fair enough. Guillaume asked if I'm panicking about the ton of videos I want to do. I was, <laughs> I was for a little while. My goal every year in a normal draft season is about 20. 2020 was a little bit insane. And since we had until October, I got to like 30 something. But this year, I think 20 is a reasonable goal. I've got five on the way. Uh, and then three more after that. But um, I'm really busy the next little couple of weeks with like not hockey things. So a little bit of a panic trying to get all that stuff done. But uh, a lot of good ones coming down the pipe. So hopefully patrons will get those uh, pretty quick. So feel free to sign up if you want. And uh, we'll get you those videos as soon as possible. Um, Alex Hood. I feel like Goche and Cutter Goche, I should say, and Liam Ogren are really similar. Goche is now regarded as a top 10 lock. Thoughts on to, thoughts on. Thoughts as to why Ogren isn't seeing a similar rise considering how strong he finished the year. I have a hypothesis on this. It's pretty simple. Uh, one is European and the other is not. <laughs> um, and one, I mean, Ogren at the U at the U18s, I thought was good, but not, you know, as good as Likaramaki and, and Osland, at least in from, from my view. I mean, Sam, I know you were watching that tournament, so feel free to... Tell me I I'm believe wrong. he was injured for a stretch of it. He was he? hurt a little bit, but even in the games I was watching, he was a little bit. He wasn't of, as mm. notable as them, but he definitely was like contributing, arguably just as much in just those small detail plays that mean a lot more that you just like you have to watch shift by shifts pretty much to pick up on. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for me, Liam Mulgren is a top ten. Yeah. I have. Both, I think two of the Swedish players this year are top ten, and two are knocking on the door. Uh, Liam Mulgren is one of them. Cutter Goche is a prospect that I also like a lot, and I see he's just an extremely projectable guy. I think there's a lot more upside with Liam Ogren personally. I just I think Ogren's game projects just as cleanly. There's more upside with him. I think he should be a top ten pick. Both guys should be in the top fifteen range. I, yeah, I think Ogren so too. Slips, then that's just that's a big win for whoever gets them. I have Gauthier a bit lower, but I kind of respect how he plays. Like, he's a big guy. He's got skill. You know, I, I just, I, again, I, I track data for a reason. And compared to a lot of other NTDP guys, he's just he's just behind them all. Like, you know, maybe there's an argument to be said, well, if he's deployed differently or somewhat, I think the comment says, yeah, the next one says, is it simply that scouts are coming out and saying that they see him as a center? If that's what's happening, like I've heard that popping around out there, I don't really see any reason why you couldn't try him at center with sort of the skill level and, and the range that he's got and the size. But he hasn't really played center, I don't think, at all in when I've been watching him this year. Um, it's, I don't know. I mean, I kind of see them up the same alley, but I don't know. I've seen I've seen more consistent work rate out of Ogren than Gauthier, but Gauthier's a bit more of a finesse guy. Like, I don't really see them as too similar personally but they kind of play a kind of similar game i suppose but in terms they of the, the data games just do it different ways yeah and in terms of the data, data they're very very different um like ogren's way more involved in offensive transitions and everything than goche is goche kind of doesn't really have a ton of pace to his game but small area skill and problem solving is really really good so 
I don't know. I, I like Cutter Goche. I have him ranked a little bit lower, but again, if he goes like ninth overall, I kind of understand why, especially in this year's draft. Like, it's just wide open. Like, after you get past, I'd say, three or four, who gives a crap? Like, it's, you know, there's there's 20 guys I could see going that range. So if Goche is one of them, I get it. I wouldn't do it, but I get it. Um, <laughs> someone asks who the Blue Jackets should draft at six. Greg Revac, you're, you're an Ohio man. It's very easy. Um... If anyone's stupid enough to let Nemec go, you get him. If That's not, a good point. You, you get the next best player, which is Seamus Casey. So. <laughs> right. We're a little biased at the at McKean's a little bit about about him, but uh, who what cares? What are you talking about? McKean's ranked him like well, outside that's true, the yeah. 32nd. The, I mean, what was it, 34? We, we are. This this group. Um, but yeah, I mean, Simon, Simone Nemec at six would be hilarious. I don't think it's going to happen, but if it does, crazier things have happened. Like, I mean, you guys give me so much crap on Simone, so I I feel like... No. Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. You're always like, you're a check, you're a check, you're a check. I do like you're a check more. Flip a coin for me. Flip a coin for me. Don't flip a coin for me. Take care, check. Okay. Well... But oh th- we need a remi- we need a remind me bot for like seven years from now, and we'll we'll check yes. in, and then we get to berate the loser. Um, I would I'd be down for Nemich. I mean, I'm uh, let me think here. Uh, if I think, I mean, look at the draft lottery situation here. Um, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. I mean, that Shane Wright's going one. Uh, number yeah. two, you're looking Slavkovsky or Cooley. Probably to take them is going to take the other one. Yeah, so those are kind of like your top three. Nemich's probably going four or five then it's down to preference of what you're looking for after yeah. that. I mean, if, like, I'm, if I'm drafting at six, I'm taking a right-handed defenseman, so give me Nemec yeah. or Czech or Casey. Yeah, I, I think that's a pretty reasonable idea, especially for Columbus's needs and wants. Wants? Wants? Needs and wants? Anyway, wants. wants-es. Yeah, I, I, I would agree on Nemec. If he's there at six, great. If he's not there, uh, I mean, maybe you go for a defenseman, but... I mean, Columbus also has a pretty another first round pick not too long after. Like you could get Seamus Casey there. Like you could walk away with Matthew Savoy and Seamus Casey or something, and that would be pretty neat. Um, and Savoy with a guy like Ken Johnson on Columbus would be a hoot. So they'll have options and they could do some damage. Yeah, they got six and twelve. Uh, someone asked an interesting question. Would you take the over under? This is the uh, unsponsored sports betting segment. Uh, who would you would you would you take the over or under on eight and a half Americans going in the first round? I don't know. Let's see. Cooley definitely. Cutter Goche definitely. Frank Nazer. I hope he will. Isaac Howard for sure. Isaac Howard I think goes in the first round. That's four. Are there any Americans that aren't playing on the NTDP that I could still go in think the first Casey round? could go first? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not like I wouldn't I bet know. on it, but I'm I think sc- it could I'm skeptical. Happen. Maybe. Seamus uh, Casey will Jack go in the first Hughes, round. You heard it here. Samuel, All right, Seamus Casey. Ryan Chesley's gonna go. Chesley's gonna go in the first. Go. Yeah, Rucker McGrady. Snuggerud. So that's eight. See, this Here's is the under. Yeah, that's the under. I would. Yeah, I don't know. Seamus Casey, on average, on my list is twenty-seven, and I honestly, I think that's optimistic. Like that factors that's in my ranking. That factors in Sam's ranking. I get the feeling that because he's five ten and not Kel McCarr, he's gonna slip out of the first round. Same thing with Lane I, Hudson. I was just gonna say it's a shame that Lane Hudson's gonna skew the whole thing when the Habs take him with the first overall pick. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, Sam's Sam's putting that out into the universe. He's really, really hoping for a Montreal Canadiens uh, Lane Hudson connection. Just a little bit. Yeah, just a little. Just a little bit. But I would say, uh, man, I, I think I might. Oh, this is why I don't gamble because I I can't figure it out. I but would take the under. I might go under as well. I I think that more Americans like the defenseman will slip. I don't think Sam Renzel actually goes in the first round. Maybe, Probably but won't. I don't. I don't think so. Scott Morrow didn't go in the first round last year. He went what, like forty-two or something? Yeah, he went in the I think forty something. Uh, yeah. Which, which I, his Morrow sister's probably a better hockey player. Dude, Sydney Morrow is unbelievable. She is so good. Oh my god, I can't believe it. I mean, I knew she was good coming in, like just doing my background research on that tournament. But like watching her like quarterback that power play and like run the blue line, just unbelievable. She's great. That whole family, just legendary. Uh, and, and Layla Edwards, the the Cleveland kid, yeah, you know, Ohioan, yeah, yeah, thumbs up for that. Yeah, that U.S. team is a lot of fun to watch so far. Yeah, a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I would hit the under on that as well. But just because I've said that, it's gonna they're gonna there's gonna be like nine nine of them um like 18 of them yeah that. yeah of course um a lot of comments about how low my volume is that's cool uh who do you see as the best defensive defenseman in this year's draft class um i mean Seamus casey just spent a whole year focusing on defense even though he's all offense so, yep. yeah yeah there he is i i i would say that the best defensive players are the ones who never played defense in the first place because they always have the puck so who are the guys that love to have the puck and always have it? I mean, in terms of actual results that I've seen with my eyeballs, uh, I'm trying to think of like actual shutdown guys. Um, like Kevin Korchinski? I'm okay no. with saying uh, <laughs> somebody like, for best shutdown, I, I mean, are we talking like, currently or projectable or i guess yeah like i guess there's like, no point. Are there, okay okay are there any defensemen you're like okay they actually play good defense let's start with i that. like i like how salamonson plays defense um he, yeah i can see where you're coming from with that one i don't like it as much but i get where you're coming from he's just the first name that comes to mind where i'm like i can't believe what you're doing offensively but defensively i kind of like the way he closes gaps and pins guys against the boards like he's really strong there's a lot to like about how he plays. Like, Juracek, I think, is in five years the best defensive player here, but he kind of yeah. needs to just get better at what he does. Like, he, he tries to pin guys against the boards, but he's not strong enough to, like, really do it consistently, and guys escape him all the time. He sometimes misses, and guys just get right through him. Um, he'll go out for stick checks and just not have the strength to stop the men's league guys in, Czech, in, in Czechia, which is fine. Um... But so maybe in like five years I could see it. I like Vladimir Gradinin's defense, but physically he's not really much of a he's not much of a factor in terms of physical play. But with the stick, sure. Noah Warren, yeah, Noah Noah Warren and Isaiah George are also good defensively. George, yeah, like especially physically, like he gets he gets greasy and can shut stuff down. Yeah. That's part of the question right there. Like, what do you consider good defense? Exactly. Objective right there that you're going to be having different conversations off the bat. If you're talking about like, yeah. the physical sides of things, then Warren and George are two guys, Chesley as well, who really stand out. If you want to start talking I mean, more of like a tactical defensive brilliance, then I'm I like Simon Forsmark. Not like exceptional. Boo. <laughs> 
Yeah, I know you're not the biggest. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I'm it's kidding. Not I'm the joking. Best draft in terms of depth for a lot of reasons that I won't get into right now. <laughs> um, but defensive clarity, and by that I mean easy to project to the NHL level defense, is not one of its strengths. So you really kind of just. The answer to that question, no matter who you ask, is almost guaranteed to just be whatever their subjective preference of good defenses. Because like it, it's sure there's no guys who really stand out immediately. Like last year, you could look at Simon Edvinson and there were problems, but what he did when he was on his game, like that dude was a legitimately great defender. Yeah, I mean, I I just looked at the uh, tracked data that I have, and actually the best in terms of suppressing dangerous stuff in their own end. Greg, you nailed it. Casey and Tyler Duke. Those two guys, in terms of de- in terms of defensemen who are on the ice with the fewest dangerous shot attempts against, it's those two, and they were playing together we quite talk a bit. About how they do it? I think oh, we talk about. Oh, let's go, let's go, Greg, go, go, go nuts, go nuts. I mean, this this is all about one possessing the, the gosh darn puck, and number two, like unreal gap control. I mean, there are moments where everyone has bad gaps, but like these guys clamp down all the time on passing options. And everyone, everyone's like, uh, should I make that pass? And then at that time, you've got like Cooley and all these great forechecking pressure guys from the U.S. national team that are on it. So they always have the puck. And then when you do get a puck, someone's in your face. Now, they may not be the best at stopping movement all the time and like actually getting turnovers, but they consistently make it very, very difficult on the front end. So they don't have to do the big hits on the back end like you'd see back in the 90s. Sure. That makes sense. And that's kind of a lot of what I see as well. Like, I think the criticism I've had of both of those guys who both have reports on the Scouching YouTube channel is that their gap control can be good if it's like they're already positioned well and like close quarters defending is already really good. But if they, like, especially on defensive rushes, I find that they'll just allow tons of space and sort of sit back and let guys take the defensive end from them and just sort of then manage it from there but you can work on that uh nice there you go iq it's all about iq yeah hockey iq um but yeah i mean both of those guys in terms of raw numbers against will it will it hold in the next five years i don't know who knows but uh on paper right now those guys are there i'll tell you who it isn't is maverick lamaru uh the biggest defenseman you can draft this year his defensive numbers are not very good anyway <laughs> uh where we we? got to go quicker. We're, we're getting we're getting smoked. Don't worry about these, it. These are piling up on us. Yeah, don't worry about it. Uh, someone asked who would the who should the Sabres pick up at 9, 16, and 28. Honestly, I have no idea. It's so hard to tell who's like... I say this a lot. It, last season, for example, at 28, Logan Stankoven would have been my guy. At 16, Logan Stankoven probably would have been my guy. Right? Like, maybe Fabian Liesel. But, like, I would never in a million years would have thought that those guys would have been available to those picks. Like, if I were to sit here and say, oh, at 16th overall, the Buffalo Sabres should draft Matthew Savoy. It's like, well, could he be available there? I think there's a universe where it's possible, but I'm not expecting it. But if I say that, it's kind of nuts. So, I don't know. I mean, I look at the Sabres, I, 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 I see a pretty decent and balanced prospect pool, both up front and on the back end, but... I might want to build out best, best three goalies. Yeah, they got good goaltenders. Yeah. yeah, like Devin Levi and Yukopeka Lukanen and uh who's the other one? Who oh, am I missing? Michigan man. 
Oh, Eric Portillo. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. How could I forget? I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Classic. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I might, I might like more firepower for the Buffalo Sabres down the road, and I feel like they're going to get the chance to do that. Like Jagger Furcus at 28 would be a kind of neat one. Uh, <laughs> Lane Hudson at 28 would be fun in Buffalo. Owen, be... Owen Power lining up with Lane Hudson. <laughs> I'd do oh, it. No. Screw it. Full send. Oh, All out offense. Full send. Let's go. <laughs> um, be a hoot. Uh, no one heard Sam's Bill Nye joke. What was your Bill Nye joke? I forgot. But I don't remember. I made oh, it up okay. on the spot when my camera fell and Bill's face showed up. I Damn. just said something. And I Damn. was proud of it. And now I don't. Here's a here's a software question. Microsoft Power BI or Tableau? I've used both. I prefer Tableau personally. But I but I don't really know if anyone else cares. But I, I go with Tableau. My limited sample would lean Tableau. <laughs> good to know but like my sample is so small you wouldn't use tableau to you like chart it so right i'm curious about the answer especially from sam on this one how excited are you for the draft out of 10 in terms uh -huh. of like how much work is left and and to be done with it <laughs> okay i'm excited to see the draft itself play out sure and i'm very interested in seeing where a lot of these players are going to be over the next two or three years. So for the actual draft itself, the next month can go like this as far as I'm concerned. So at some extent, it's just like you reach a point where you've just been watching them for like, what, a calendar year? Yeah. It's like you got a pretty good read on them, most of them midway through the season. Ideally. And then yeah. it just becomes the little detail work, which sometimes can make a lot of big difference with some players and and then with others, you've had the same read on them since, like, January, and it doesn't change. Like, with right. Kamel, it's been, like, the same read the whole time. I like the player. I don't like him as much as everyone else. It's like, yeah. And I don't want to keep talking about the same players. So it's like, I don't know. 23 is apparently legendary in terms of hype, which is making this last month a bit. Now, I don't, I was just going to say, I'm not falling for this again. <laughs> Because this is what I heard this time last year. Everyone was like, oh, 21. I can't wait for this to be over. This is a weak draft. 22, though. 22. That's the one. And, uh, well, no, it wasn't. So, it was I, not. outside of Bedard, nothing means anything to me. However. Fantilli. Bedard and Fantilli. I mean, I really like Leo Carlson and Zach Benson, too. Sure. Shout but to Joel Henderson. Adam Fantilli is life. Yeah, Adam Fantilli is sweet. Michkov, of course, as well. But. I old news. Let's not talk about like the depth of the draft. Just sure. I hope it lives up to the hype because it could benefit from it. Yeah. Um. I would. I mean, I would say that I am. I mean, there's still guys where I want to do more work for sure. Where I just haven't like definitely solidify my thoughts on them. Like Tristan Luno is one. I've, it's been a long time since I actually sat down and watched him because every single time I do, I go, well, what am I doing with myself right now? But then it's like, okay, I just have to be absolutely certain right before the draft with the game, like, say, from the playoffs or, like, right at the end of the year where it's like, all right, let's make sure we're sure on this and, and stick our stick our stick in the mud, you know, on this guy. But outside of that, like, especially now that I've got most of the videos out of the way, like, I've got a couple of more I want to do, but just firing through them as much as I possibly can. I mean, the last like two weeks, I think, is when I get a little bit zonked and ready for the next, ready for the next, uh, next challenge. Um, if Vancouver trades second overall, would Nemec be a? Or if if Vancouver trades for second overall, is Simone Nemec a reach at that pick? 
Uh, also, do you think he'd be a good fit with Quinn Hughes? So I'll answer the second part. I don't think he would be. Um, I think they would step on each other's toes a little too much. And would he be a reach at two? I don't think so. I wouldn't do it, but that's because I really, really like Logan Cooley, and I feel like Logan Cooley in Vancouver would be a lot of fun, and it gives them some firepower that they kind of, you know, like there's your setup man for Brock Besser or something, or I don't know, you could play around with him a little bit over the next few years, and that could be neat, but Nemich would be fine. I just don't think he would pair well with Quinn Hughes because they both kind of... I like Logan Cooley in Vancouver a lot. I never actually thought about that until now, but Logan Cooley in Vancouver could be fun. Yeah, just a nice little nice little dynamo for him. Uh, if you guys were competing in a gladiator matchup, who would you guys send from the 2022 draft class to fight Noah for Warren. you? Noah Warren. Noah Warren? Okay. Um, or three lane Hudson's. With oh, no, you can't do that. <laughs> no, you can't do uh, that. Just one. You get no, the one. Noah Warren or... I'm taking... I found out, like geeky was a great boxer or something <laughs> he he may be uh i might take your eye the big boy big slovakian your slavkovsky get him in the ring let's go greg i'm, I'm assuming seamus casey because he's the answer to everything for this evening um actually on this one i'm gonna take the guy who's oh, no. really smart and he has a lot of skills to dance around uh give it me in this one Yuri Kulich. Oh, interesting choice. I don't mind that. He's 182 pounds, probably going on 185 now. Yeah. Six foot. Pretty smart guy. He's He's been beat up his entire life playing with the Czechs that aren't as good. You know, when he comes up against those big big boys yeah. in the U.S. and Canada, and takes care of business. I thought you might go with the old big boy from Russia. I thought you'd take Kirill Dilzhenkov. You're waiting for that. I was hoping for 6'8". That was too predictable. That's exactly it. I was yeah. waiting for <laughs> that's fair enough um i came across victor nuchev recently i think he's a really fun guy to watch is he on your radars i've had him spoken to um someone spoke to me about him not too long ago on the team side that made me go rewatch some nuchev i don't know i don't i don't see it personally he scored a lot of goals but the guy just shot the puck all night long every single time i saw him play like from he has the most goal line shots i think i've ever seen in my life uh sometimes those go in a lot of the times they don't and uh there's a reason guys like him score a lot of goals and don't do much else but the person i spoke to seemed to really really like him so i might need to take a closer look i don't know sam if you've seen a bit of him over the year uh i checked in early in the year kind of did one of my uh don't know let's have a look after i get a larger sample thing when he plays more games maybe gets to figure things out did a brief look back in the spring kind of went no and then i my thing is like if it's springtime comes around i'm not really looking for new players as much anymore so it's not really this will guarantee that good players slip through might slip through sometimes but like i can only do some why is that um i can only do so much sometimes right with just like time so i will look into him again because i heard from mr will lately that he had a glowing recommendation and i've been seeing a lot of people who i have like whose opinions i place weight into talking about him lately which is surprising me because it's not a player i was expecting them to talk about so i'm likely wrong if i say anything beyond that without going back so i'm gonna do that (laughs) Makes sense. 
Uh, next question someone mentioned: Were you were you higher on Kotkin Yemi in his draft year than I than we I guess should say are on Slavkovsky? My answer to that is no. Uh, I think Kotkin Yemi was more around ten. I think if I think back to 2019, um, I don't know, Sam. You I th- I know you kind of were paying attention, but I don't know if you were paying attention enough to 20... know what you were doing. <laughs> That's where I was going with this. 2018 okay. was like the first year where I kind of started to figure out. Like I had three years of trying to do this, do this, um, in theory. So I was able to look back on some mistakes and really kind of start figuring out like what I was doing wrong. And I was pretty high on him, but for all of the wrong reasons. So. The hype for back then versus the hype now are roughly equal, but I feel like a smarter version, like if I went back in time somehow, I'd been lower on Kakanyemi. I don't know. Right. I honestly, it's a very difficult question to answer because 2018 Scout Me and 2022 Scout Me are entirely different people. Yeah. So it's really hard to answer that one properly. For sure. Um Okay, so another question from Lino TV. Do you trade, if you're the Buffalo Sabres, do you try to get Pierre-Luc Dubois with one of the first-round picks, and which one do you send over? I would... The lowest one you can get away with sending, but I think you go for that. I mean, Greg, do you have any thoughts on Pierre-Luc Dubois as a hockey player in the National Hockey League and how much he might be worth if he's traded at the draft? Um, I, I hear that the Buffalo Sabres kind of have a no-dickheads policy. And and given his past behavior, uh, PLD may or may not violate that rule. Okay. So um, my answer is we'd like to know some more research before answering if we should give up a first-round pick. That being said, it is a weaker draft. So if you're going to spend you know, a lotto ticket, this might be a draft that you do so. Sure. All right. Makes sense. Um, I mean – yeah, I I also agree on the whole no dickheads policy, uh, and I think Sam's also right. Like the lowest pick you can get away with, you know, like if it's the twenty eighth overall pick and a couple of things, like a couple of prospects that Buffalo's accumulated, then maybe it makes sense. But yeah, there is a factor of personality that can affect a dressing room that does matter. I think. Um, go ahead. What? Oh, I was just saying, absolutely, oh, okay. sorry. Yeah, no, it's fine. Uh, Brian Stewart, the worst viewer I have. If you were to assign a percentage chance that Lane Hudson becomes an NHL impact defenseman by each inch to his height, what would it be? This is uh, the best question I've seen yet. Yeah, yeah, it'll go up the more inches he gains. I also want to illustrate something. Uh, like, what is an inch? I, he, this is a guitar pick. That looks like it's about an inch, right? Maybe a bit more, like an inch and a half. Like we're 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 really cutting hairs about this much height, so I just want to point that out. Um, but I mean, if the thing about him is, if he, I guess, if you grow a couple more inches, you still gotta like get comfortable with those extra few inches. So I know it's not that big of a deal, but I mean, I think on average the human body gains about five pounds every inch. I think if you grow in height, um, I'm pretty sure I remember that from university. I could be wrong, but. So you, you're going you're gonna to see him be a bit heavier. You're going to see him be a, bit, be a bit longer. It might just take a bit of time to adjust to that. But, I mean, if Lane Hudson's 5'10", it certainly helps. And I don't know what percentage of a chance it gives him. but I can't give percentages, but I'm like, if Lane Hudson's 5'10 and slightly faster, there's like almost... I, I'm willing to say well, that I... 
don't see him not being one. Like Lane Hudson's brain compared to the rest of the defenders in this class. I, I don't know if it's in a tier of its own, but it's certainly in that top tier in terms of moving the puck and just seeing it, the ice. And... It, it's really given me Sam Gerrard vibes. Like now that I've gone back and watched him again, shot my video on, on Lane Hudson and put all that together, like if he can just get a bit more explosive and a bit quicker – He's, he's that he's that type of defenseman where Sam Gerrard like doesn't put up horrible defensive numbers when he's out there for Colorado, but that's because he always has the goddamn puck. You know the old revac the revac method. You know don't give up the puck and if you have it, just keep it, <laughs> and then Honestly, you never have to play defense. Yeah, like the hardest part for Hudson is simply just like getting a coach who's willing to like work through this with him. Like there's right. I I think the talent level likely will be high enough to play. Maybe not in as high an impact role as I want, but like he he'll be in there. But whether or not like the coach deems it a necessary risk, for example, or maybe he has just like a bit of a rough adjustment period, and sometimes that's all it takes for certain prospects. Like if Lane Hudson gets drafted to the wrong team, it's over. Like the day that his name is selected could be well, the end just for the wrong team. No one, just the, be... I don't think the wrong team's going to draft him. Like well, half, half the teams didn't even interview him at the combine. That's so. fair. That's fair. So yeah. I'm hoping that this isn't a scenario. I'm hoping to hear Kent Hughes maybe say his name. I don't know. Man. That would be a hoot. Kent, Lane know. Hudson Lane Hudson on a line with Caden Gooley or something? That'd yeah. be fun. I, I, to Just to summarize really quick, like it, it he has a chance regardless of the growth, but the growth would help overcome biases, I guess. And that would really help. Right. Just in the long run. So, so who out of these three was highest on Lane Hudson, the earliest? Wasn't me. Uh, was it you? Sure I, I'm pretty sure I have to just, I was driving this train. What were you? I mean, it was, I remember this conversation we had because everyone was telling me how great, uh, what was it? Ty Nelson, especially Sam. Sam was really on. It Ty was Nelson. Hudson, Nelson, and who was my third player? I had three like, early on. Oh, uh, poor, poor Ty Nelson. No, it wasn't Denton. I think it was Hudson, Nelson, and Casey. Pretty sure it was Casey. Ah, maybe not. I don't know. But it was Hudson and Nelson. Uh, Ty, obviously, once that sample grew, disappointingly admitted that there wasn't as much there as I was hoping. Still think part of that is the system. Uh, Hudson, I watched Hudson right like right around the time of the 21 draft, just on a whim. Saw a tweet about him. I was like, "Ah, oh, what's this kid like?" And then I watched him and I messaged Will and I was like, "This kid is insane!" <laughs> oh my god! I was like, "This is hilarious, man!" I'm watch. This is gonna be the best play to watch next year. And not one person was more entertaining. Not named Brad Lambert or Noah Alslin, pretty much. That's fair. I mean, yep. Just, just throwing it out there, you know. I, I may be an idiot, but I'm not an idiot all the time. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, do we have much experience with Byron Bader's player prediction model, and what are our thoughts on it? Seems like Yurov is one of the best players in the model. Like, I have thoughts on it. I mean, it's a useful tool if you are just looking for guys that score a lot, because um, that generally seems to be what it's based around. It's, I mean, I look at my data and go, all right, who's the guys that I've never heard of before that are putting up really good historical production and who should I check them out? You know, and it, but it, it, it doesn't really go much deeper than that from what I know about it. Like in terms of the difference between guys that produce at even strength versus on the power play, you know, factoring in how they generate their, their production, you know, primary assists, goals, secondary assists, like 
it just seems to be a bit hit or miss to me. Like, Yurov is going to be one of the best players in his model because, yeah, he's playing in the Russian Junior League and shooting the lights out in 20 games. Like, that sample is going to look great. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure... I don't know if you guys have any other d- 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 differing thoughts on it, but... Not really differing, just that it's a good tool that is part of the process, but it's just, like, it's part of the process. Like, yeah. I think the one thing that I guess I'll add to it is that especially when it comes to European players, it's just like, I don't think NHLE is the best metric to use to reliably rank. If we're strictly talking like CHL, like I tend to look at it and go more or less, it's fine. Like I, I don't see too much that are egregious or stand out. So, but when I'm looking at like some of the European rankings, it's just kind of, you look at it and you go, well, that's not looking the best. I mean, I think the most popular one that I'm sure people leave in his tweets all the time is Lucas Raymond. I remember him not being too high on that. And a lot of us watched Lucas Raymond and were like, this kid is going to be absolutely ridiculous. And Lucas Raymond is unsurprisingly absolutely ridiculous. But like, it, it's just like, you can't expect the model to have caught that. There's no reasonable right. like, adjustments he can make because it's not like Raymond scored a lot. It's just uh, like, these are the deficiencies with any statistical model, but every tool has its own deficiencies it's just about using them all in conjunction with each other to get the best results that makes sense to me um so quick question from kyle wondering if brad lambert slips like fabian Liesel did last year in many people's eyes yes he's gonna slip i've fully expected it it's gonna happen i'm mentally prepared for him to be like 34th overall that's what i'm mentally prepared for (laughs) I, i don't know I'm, I'm mentally prepared for it. I mean, look. I, I am too. At this point, yeah. you've got me like doom predicting and all. Yeah, I know. I'm doom. I'm doomed on him, but still uh, love him. Still love him. Absolutely adore him. It felt like I was betraying myself when I lowered him. To oh, third. Greg, I gotta show you. Not I gotta like not even like eighth, like third. I gotta show you the videos I pulled from uh, when he played with the second team he played for this year, where their breakouts a lot of the time were just five guys on a line going all up at the ice at the same time. Oh, I saw a couple of yeah. those. It was that hilarious. Was, and there are people... Back. Yeah, it's like, oh, why isn't this guy scoring? This really fast and skilled offensive forward that usually plays center. Why is he oh. uh, Why is he not scoring? Oh, because he's playing literally in a horizontal line with all five guys <laughs> skating into a, a 3-2 defense in the neutral zone. I'll one-up that to uh, why does... To the people who go, why is Brad Lambert, like, dumb or not know hockey? It's like, <laughs> I don't know what... It, you give me look at that don't even look at the clip just look at a screenshot and tell me what he's supposed to do it's yeah. just like his team was bad and he went to another bad team anyway uh yeah. someone asked me a good this is a good question that i'm curious what everybody else thinks uh not that i'm never curious about what everyone else thinks but you know uh do you do we do we ignore other rankings to avoid groupthink, or do you look at them in case you might see something you might miss i think that's a really interesting question i personally do I don't ignore rankings, but I don't let them influence me. I I use, especially with people that I trust, like Sam and I, for example, will disagree on guys quite a bit. And sometimes I'll go look at guys and go, okay, I kind of see where Sam's coming from, but I don't immediately just like trust his opinion and let it affect things, right? Like I have to at least synergize with what he's seeing. And if I don't, then it's like, well, one of us is wrong, right? Like one of us sees it one way, one of us sees it another way, and we'll see what happens right like we, no. ha- we it, it's just like figuring out 
but again, I mean, he's he's 19. Like, we're not done with him yet. No, absolutely. That was just that was one of the ones that always stuck out because we had that conversation like 50,000 times. Yeah, and so um, I, I yeah, so I see it as very touch and go. Like it depends, but I mean, over the years. I've definitely settled into, uh, okay, here's who I really listen to if they step in and they're like, you might want to rethink that. But otherwise, uh, yeah, Steve Eisenman would be one of them. If Steve Eisenman came up to me and was like, you're not thinking enough about this guy, I'm going, okay, yeah, probably not. Um, yeah. Steve Eisenman makes a decision at the draft table. My instinct is, what did I just do wrong? Yeah. Yeah. So, he, I don't know. If he's calling you and you're a fellow GM, uh, you need Hang to look up. at that person. You, yeah, you, you need to look at the person that you pay a million dollars a year to tell you just no. Uh, five times a year and yep. see what they think. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know, Sam, I don't know if you feel any differently about it, but I, um, over the years I've gotten more stringent with my own work and my own thoughts, and it's just like, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. This year, more than ever, did I tune out so much of the noise to the point where I actually wasn't looking at rankings earlier on in the season from most people. Like, if I saw a list, I would just open it and look at like the top 15 or whatever and be like, oh, that's cool. Didn't look like the depth, didn't look at much um not until around the world junior tournament started the whole brief two games we had right i try not to let other people influence my thoughts because i look back on mistakes from 2020 and 2021 mostly a few in 2020 and they were ideas that i initially disagreed with but deferred to someone else because i trusted their opinion more and they weren't even necessarily wrong in the logic that they use either it might honestly just be a back coincidence but like it was just motivation enough for me to be like, it's okay. If I'm wrong about something, because we're all going to be wrong about stuff at times, I just want to be wrong about it from my own methodology. Like, my own methodology was wrong because then I can learn something from it, I can better from it, et cetera, et cetera, versus I don't want to be opening up, I don't want to have like eight tabs of people's rankings open and going, okay, well, I was a little too low on this guy and then a little yeah. too high on this. I'd start playing around with it that way. There are four or five people's lists who I look at once or twice a month just to familiarize myself with certain players and if i see something that stands out i go and visit it but i don't often reach out to the person because i don't want their bias or their thoughts well not bias their thoughts affecting my bias and watching it i want to come up with my own points on the matter yeah fair enough um all right austin brass also a noted terrible viewer of the channel uh love sam's background misses you sam apparently i don't know why Aww. he would yeah i don't get it uh, apparently he's talking to greg in the morning um and getting me an old-fashioned which is great because i love those um for all of us favorite player that could go in the mid rounds or like pet project that isn't named vladimir Kudinin. okay lane hudson sure okay but he specified um, beyond 64th so i'm thinking like random guys in the middle of the draft uh, could be, um, could be. I've said it once, I've said it again, and I'll continue to say it until he gets drafted. <laughs> Lucas Gustafson. Oh, yeah. Gustafson. Uh, a re entry. Yeah, yep. Lucas Gustafson is one. I like Devin Kaplan. Devin Kaplan I could be an interesting one. Literally highlighting him. That's okay. Right now. We can agree. Devin Cap Devin That's Kaplan's cool. Definitely one. Devin Kaplan's a good one. Um, what, what do you guys think on Nicholas Moldenhauer? Is that how it is? Yeah. His name? I'm interested in Moldenauer. I like him. He's really, really smart, I think. Like, he kind of knows how to manage the puck and move it really well. Not super great on his feet, I don't think, or not super strong yet, but, I mean, he did... I mean, he did, yeah. <laughs> he did get hurt, and he missed a lot of time, and, like, that was a pretty horrific injury he was dealing with, but I really like the brain that he's got. He works hard. 
you know, moves pucks really effectively. I like him. Like, as a mid-round guy, if he comes up on the list, like, if, if Greg's pounding his fists on the table, like, we got to get this guy before we lose him, I'd go, all right, like, let, let's see where he goes. I have no problem with that. Yeah, um, for me, it'd be Moldenhauer and uh, Julian Lutz, but I'm not sure oh, Lutz yeah. is going to make it that far. Maybe, maybe, but he would maybe, be a great... I would, oh. Yeah, if those guys are in the third round, yeah, um, yeah give, give them to me. I want, yeah. I want Lutz and Moldenhauer, one of those two. Julian Lutz did. He had a. I thought he had a pretty decent under eighteen, but it wasn't like so good that I think teams are like, oh yeah, we have to get this guy first or second round. You know, I I think he was good, but didn't quite move the needle enough to move that far up. So I think it's possible, but who knows? I got six I can name off really quickly. Oh jeez. Okay. Alex pick <laughs> Alexi Gendron, and then since you're gonna tell me to only pick a few. Yeah. Uh, Tyler Duke. Actually, I'll give you Tyler Duke, and I'll say Isaac Bourne. I watched okay. him at Isaac Bourne, I sure. Back and looked a little bit more, and I don't know. It's not. There's nothing I would say sensational. Greg hates his dollop, so we can just move on from that. <laughs> well, Greg's wrong. Greg's wrong. Yeah. It was. It was. It He'd was still the player where I was like, "Will, what did you just send me?" Because <laughs> I, I, this might be the worst game I've ever seen of a, a potential NHL draft pick we of don't all talk, time. We don't talk about that. And and then like the last shift, he just did something stupid, and I was like, yeah. "Oh, there it is." Yeah, yeah, there we go. But it was literally the last shift of the game. It was yep. unbelievable. Like how, like I couldn't, I didn't realize how bad someone could possibly be for that long, and then be like, "Boom!" Yeah. Yep. He's a, a little nugget. He's a weird one. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, so someone asked a question that I don't think we can answer, but I'd be curious to answer it anyway with a different like twist. It. Uh, who lost the most stock at the combine? We probably will not know. I get the feeling that in the combine, the guys that lose stock are the guys who behind the, the scenes give teams something they don't want. Like that, that just kind of spooks them, you know, whether it's their interviews or whatever. I don't think any physical testing really swings things that bad in my, in my view. Like, I don't think it really affects things, but if you interview a kid and comes off a way that you were not expecting and then does that with another team and another team and another team like that, that'll travel. But I don't think we'll ever find out who those players are, and the only way we'll know is looking at who slips really, really, really far in the draft. But even then, who knows why? Um, yeah, I mean, it's such a pointless event, realistically. I mean, it's kind of neat to meet them, but that's it. Yeah, there's like, yeah, it's basically the interviews, and if you can sit them down in a room and watch video with them. But other than that, it's pretty pointless. I mean, you're looking for single leg strength, and what's their VO two max? Like, yeah, as long as those oh. aren't actually atrocious. Love like, a good VO two max. Good. Love a good VO two max. Yeah, I mean, like you look at the research; like those are the only two. Yeah, from the combine that actually matter. The rest don't. I did. Uh, I did an aerobic fitness test once in university, and then I threw up afterwards. So there's that. So. <laughs> That was fun. Yeah. I, I made the mistake of having mini wheats for breakfast that morning, and it was my first class of the day, and out came all the mini wheats around 9.45 in the morning, so that was bad. Um, Which brings me to my next story. I was once on a bench, and uh, I had a player who thought that uh, chicken noodle soup from Campbell's and a Red Bull were the perfect uh, pregame meal. So an idiot. He happened to do it right in the middle of the bench where no one could get away from it. That's so, incredible. It was right in the first period, too. So. First period? Oh, come on, man. Exactly. Third shift. Just yakking on the bench three shifts into the game. I love it. Yeah, um, fortunately, we got that on video. You just see me and the fellow coaches look down. like. 
Oh, how I, do you handle this? I fell jumping over the boards the other night. That was fun. Landed right on my elbow. Jammed, <laughs> jammed my shoulder. Now I got a bruise the size of a baseball on my elbow, which is great. Just all banged up. All right, up. Sam, give us, give us a nice hockey story of you playing or coaching. <laughs> he has done uh, neither, I don't think. Um, well, actually, I, when playing floorball years and years and years hey. ago, um was playing in a scrim for the team we had just i think it was like the first practice of a school team or something and i had a friend accidentally and i put that in quotations but he didn't mean to do it this hard hip check me into a wall nice and that landed in the wall funny and they landed on the floor funny and that's how i tore my meniscus which is still messed up to this day so I don't have any sick stories, but I do have a wicked lifelong crippling injury. So I think right, I we'll, win. We'll, we'll leave we'll leave the plan. I think I win. Possibly yeah. yes. Yeah. All um, right. Where do we yeah. go next? Yeah, we'll move. We'll move on. Um. Okay. Sam, you're a legend. <laughs> uh, rank the first round defenseman in purely getting the puck out of the defensive zone efficiently and who has the best first pass because I know the Canucks management is looking is, sees that as something they value uh, okay well let me let me just go to my data set here and just sort by yeah. defensemen who get the Dude, puck uh, out of the defensive end here uh, let's see defensive I exits I was literally talking to a coach in the program and he mentioned this guy his nickname was the Breakout King. Oh, absolutely, and that's uh, that's our boy Seamus, the wee baby Seamus. So, how how do you show up in your data? Uh, let me look. Uh, defensive exits. Uh, defensive defensive exits with control of the puck. Who's the leader? Lucas Gustafson is number one so far. Uh, smaller sample, I'll admit, but he's number one. Uh, Lane Hudson is up there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he is. Simon Nemich, uh, Seamus Casey, and Tyler Duke are basically tied. Um, in terms of percentages where they're efficient, Gustafson is not nearly as good. Uh, who, uh, Seamus Casey, there it is, 87.5%. Uh, not bad. The guys ahead of him are really small samples that I'm not comfortable with. Uh, my boy Yuri Tiachek is up there too. Elias Salomonson, which is kind of funny. Um, but I would, I'd put Seamus Casey up there. Um, Definitely not Eurocheck. Nemich, I'd say, is pretty good at it. Uh, Eurocheck can be good at it. He just lacks any and all consistency in doing so. Yeah. Uh, and Korchinski. Minchukov and Korchinski are kind of middle of the pack for me. Um, but, yeah. I mean, it looks like Seamus Casey. And he does it with his passing so, so, so well. It's great. Um, sorry, one again. What? Why is this guy on a top ten lock? I, I just do because he's five it. foot ten, Greg. He's too and small. He's extremely passive. He's too stretches. small. Um, I mean, he'll fix it. I'm not concerned about long term, but this year he was. Okay, then he's going to fix it. Then, then where's the issue? Are we are we not looking six seven years down the road here? Or, yes. Or am I just going crazy? You, welcome to the draft game. There's logical uh, inc- there's logic there's logical inconsistencies all over the place, man. We we love him. It's, it's what's killing me with the Seamus Casey. Like even you guys have him low at thirteen and fourteen. I mean, he should be going twelve. To I used to have him. I used to have him like top ten. I had him top ten almost. All I had him year. top ten for a while. Not so much that Casey fell. It's just that I'm pretty sure all four of the year Garden players have just like 
brainwashed me somehow. I don't know. I can't pick between all four of them. Well, that's I want true. All four of them really badly. Right, I, 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 I can, I can, know. I can, it's, I can it's confirm. Like Maki is the best of the uh, best of the bunch, <laughs> easily. I mean, and then you can make you can make arguments to me. I, I kind of lean Ogren. I think he's got a lot of nice details. Austin, I feel, is more a little boom bust on it. Big time. Like, what's the last one? Havlin? Is he the fourth? Uh, Odelius. Odelius, sorry. He's good. Yeah, he's good, actually. I like Odelius. I'll take an argument for him on second, but Lekermaki, for me, is number one. I can argue all four of them in any order and walk away with a big ass. Oslin, Oslin scares me the most, but I love him the most. I'm not scared with Oslin. Oh, I'm scared. Not that much. I watched so much Noah Oslin in the last like six weeks where all I started having concerns, especially because like six weeks ago was when people were telling I started asking people full started asking people for their concerns. And then I went back and watched a bunch more on him, including some games I already watched with them in mind. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> but, but it's gonna be fine. He's like a hair behind All SHL right. play. Remind me, remind me, bot. Five years from now, we'll check in. Um, yeah, we, we uh, that one. yeah. Remember, I have him top ten. If it doesn't go well, no one's letting that go. Here's a here's a question from friend of the show, Raybro. If we were in charge of doing an NHL prospect combine on ice, what events would we want to see? Greg, this is your wheelhouse. Yeah. I Put, give us saying. give us your ideal on ice NHL scouting combine. Do it. Three on three cross ice games. Let's go. Interesting. That's it, eh? Just three yeah. on three cross ice games. Yeah, it's all. Oh, all you. I mean, I you see the, you, you can literally see the rest. It's like that is a very that is a very interesting that is a very interesting idea. Yeah, like think about it. Like you can learn defensive positioning. How do they battle in one on ones? You can still see guys that are going to make two on ones all over the ice. Like. Yeah. What's the risk reward profile of them? There, there's so much that you can take out of it, and they're getting a shit ton of touches. So now, if you're pulling data from it, you've got some maybe you know still going to be small, but you've got a sample size. It's an interesting thought. It's an interesting. So that's thought. what I would do. The rest is kind of terrible. I mean, you can kind of look at like straight light skating speed, but like yeah, like you're interested in how yeah. the players play, not really how fast they can skate, because like being fast is one thing, you know, but or skilled or whatever. But it's like how you use it in a game. So yeah, the only one that really interests me is the one where they have like uh, the lights. So they're in two yeah. lines going down the ice and they yep. go and they've got a react boom. Yep. And make, like, that one kind of, you know, I can make yours up a little bit on that. I'd watch that, but it doesn't matter until there's a puck on their stick. Like they should do that one with the puck on the stick. Yeah. Like, that would be way more interesting to me because yeah. guys who like tap it and let it slide compared to guys who just like keep it on the stick the whole time. Like one is objectively better than the other. Yeah one may create faster times than that so. i'm with you i didn't even think of that but i like that idea i would i would support in a vote to do the same thing i'm down i i got nothing else to add if sam sam if you don't i would uh i'd move on i'm good okay we got we got a tr- we got a triple header question here we can fire through has anyone else been watching the abs oilers series do we have any general thoughts on that because i've loved it uh, oh, I watched it. I loved it. Absolutely, couldn't miss that one. Oh my god, uh, uh, that was uh, that was entertaining beyond all measure. It was and, wild. Um, sorry to all future chances of McDavid winning a cup because Edmonton is gonna do some stuff. We'll this see. Aren't they? We'll see they what happens. Do some things. Extend. I don't know what these things will be, but I have a feeling Edmonton's gonna get. 
huge explosive reactions out of Twitter a minimum of three times. Probably. That is my... They need a goalie. They, def- they definitely need a goalie. They'll, they're going to extend Evander Kane for like eight years, like $7.75 million a year. Mm-hmm. Something like that. The, the the Avalanche, I mean, they're a wagon. I don't know what you can say about the Avalanche that hasn't been said already. They're just a... They're terrifying. By the way, I just want to go back and say uh, tip of the cap and round of applause to, to uh, Dustin Bufflin. You know, like, before everyone <laughs> knew about Evander Kane, <laughs> like, that guy unapologetically threw Kane's uh, clothes in the shower and turned it on. Like, uh, so I mean, we, we all... We all show, that's, you know, that's why I'm like... I don't know Pierre-Luc Dubois. I have nowhere to speak on this, but the fact that no matter where he's gone, his teammates are like, eh. similar to you know Eichel. Like, I prefer not to have him on my team. I don't care how good of a hockey player he is. But he scored a goal per game in the playoffs. So I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying there. It doesn't really matter. Point is, yeah. uh, and, and Eichel and Eichel like his numbers absolutely killed at the. Uh, NHL combine too, by the way. Right. Absolutely unreal. Way better than McDavid's. Yeah. So yeah. So I don't I mean, know. I I think the Oilers, I think Sam's right. I think the Oilers are gonna get up to some stuff this summer because I think they're like, oh, we're close. You know, like maybe Mike Smith isn't the option. They go out, get a different oh, goalie. Bobrovsky suddenly shows up to town. <laughs> yeah, like Sergey Bobrovsky, ten million dollar goaltender in Edmonton. What could go wrong? Um uh, I think all, the, the person also asked about Marie Philippe Boulin being hired in Montreal. I think we can all universally agree that that was yes. a pretty neat thing. I think Sam is a fan. Awesome. Yep. Oh, I was a huge fan. I yep. actually I did like a visible. What? <laughs> it's like what? a you're a super Saiyan. You're summoning your energy. Oh, it's a poster. Summoning the 2019 Raptors. Yeah, summoning the Raptors. Boulin will do this for the Habs. Yep. That, uh, that's my uh, thoughts on the matter. Yeah, there you go. Power fist. Yeah. Um, and the under-18 Women's World Championship. I honestly have not seen as much as I've wanted to see because it has not been uploaded to Instat yet, but I have been able to watch a little bit here and there uh, through other means like TSN when I have been able to. It's a great tournament. I mean, Finland beat Canada the other day, which, you know, no one would have expected, I don't think. And I think they shut them out. I think it was 2 nothing Finland. Um it's been great. I, I I don't know. Sydney Morrow is amazing. Uh, there's a few there's a few girls out there I think that are making names for themselves. If you're if you're watching the tournament, but uh, as soon as they're up on Instat, I'll be I'll be I'll be up late watching them on tape delay. I don't know if any of you guys have been watching the the game so far. Mm, I haven't had a chance, and if it's not on Instat, it's fair enough. Yeah, um, I miss most of the international games of like pretty much all accounts and then i go back and have to watch them on instat this year i think there's only like three of them i watched live one world junior and no four one world junior and three swedish u18 games that was it all the other ones i i go back on instat for um do we have an eye on guys that weren't drafted last year, but you think what you think are going to be selected this year? Uh, on that note, do you have thoughts on Maros Yedlichka? I don't know anything about Yedlichka, but I mean the guys that I think that will get drafted that haven't been drafted. I mean Lucas Edmonds going to get drafted. I don't know who is going to pick him, but Lucas Edmonds is going to get drafted. Mikey Milne. Mikey Milne Mikey yep. Milne will get drafted. Um, 
there's going to be a bunch of. I mean, there's a, a a kid named Amadeus on Flint that probably will get drafted that I've heard a lot of talk about, but I don't I don't Hardy see it with him. Um, who? James Hardy or wait? No. Uh, oh yeah, no, James I'm... Hardy is in Mississauga, right? But I think he's yeah. an overager now. Uh, I'm not sure he's draft eligible, but I could be wrong. Um, there's, but I mean, it's funny. Like most of the guys that. Like, I don't think Jeremy Wilmer gets drafted, for example, even though he probably should get a flyer. Um, I feel like some people are... Like, Tucker Robinson, I think... Robertson will get drafted out of the OHL. Logan Morrison, maybe, but... I don't know. Um, there's a few. Like, Michael Goot, I've liked with Everett, but again, like, if these guys... If these CHL guys that are 20 years old don't get drafted, you could just invite them to camp or sign them after the draft if you want. So, I don't really see a ton of value in picking them. Connor Kurth could get a draft pick. I don't know. Avery Hayes. I like Avery Hayes. I don't know, Sam, if you've any seen any of him in Avery Hamilton. Hayes, probably worthy of a draft pick. Yeah, like, late-round draft pick, sure. I could take Avery Hayes. Luke Middlestat. Like, I think that's Casey's little brother. He was pretty good this year, too, but, like, pretty much only offensively, like, with the puck on his stick. Uh, Dmitry Bachelnikov, maybe, but that's a re-entry Russian who's 5'9", like, I don't know. Um, there's gonna, it's gonna have like, there's always a bunch of them that that, that get drafted. So, but I don't know. I feel like with me at least the re-entry guys, you got to set your bar super super high, and uh, hope they meet it. Um, Brad Lambert and Ivan Rushenshenko started the year projected in the top five. What range do you think they'll be drafted in now? I think Lambert's between 25 and 35. Rushenshenko, I think, goes between 25 and 40 something like that i don't think he'll go further back than that but who knows it's he's a wild card uh, i have no idea i'm still on the belief that there are three or four teams in the top 17 where i'm looking at them i'm like you are the type of team that takes the brad lambert's of the world and i think like it only takes one mm-hmm. lambert could go to san jose but if he doesn't lambert could fall all the way to the habs next pick for all we know and then the Habs would obviously take him because they wouldn't dare not <laughs> take him. They wouldn't You'd dare. You think? You would think. I. W- oh, I, um, that possibility has never actually entered my head until just now. If we move forward, would you take Jonathan LeCaramaki on the Montreal Canadiens, Mister McGilligan? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, mean, I I'm a huge fan of Jonathan LeCaramaki. It's just it, it won't happen. Like he's not gonna fall out of like the top thirteen. He probably shouldn't. He's amazing. Um, Lecker and Maki is a lot of what the Habs want in their top six, I feel like, going forward. Maybe not so much on the puck possession, but that's why you have other players that you can draft for that. Lecker and Maki in terms of just skating ability, shooting, pace, um, pace changes, the ability to get space through pace changes, um, the fact that his skating has evolved so much in the span of like two and a half years to become one of the best skaters in the draft when he definitely was not even remotely close to this level years ago. It's lots to look at like our mocking really like. I think he's going to end up going like what, 11th, 12th overall or something like that. I mean, there was a comment soon after asking about him going to the Sens at seven. And I think that's a bit rich for me, but I mean, if you want a goal Don't- scorer... Like he, if he needs, I don't, I don't but... think he's what Ottawa's looking for. I just, I think Ottawa has their type. I don't know. 
And they Ottawa definitely has a type. It's not yeah, like, like Cutter Gauthier would be their type. Yeah, Cutter Gauthier. I I think I'm thinking more off the board. Like Matias Sapovalov comes to mind. Like big, heavy, physical guys that have a bit of skill as well. Um, yeah, Gauthier is a, is one of those guys. Nathan Gauthier. Uh, like I'm not counting anything out. Like they pulled Tyler Boucher out of their out of their heads at ten last year. So I'm not. They yeah. they don't give a crap. I don't think what anyone else thinks. Um, I, I, I can see Marcus Casper. Marcus Ka- Marco Casper, yeah, Marco Casper could be one that could go yeah. at seven, and I that could make sense for the for the Sens as well. Uh, they might even take your boy, Brad Lambert. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> uh, I don't. I think hear, I hear they got some good scouts there. Yeah, but that doesn't mean they're drafted Brad Lambert. Um, yeah. Maybe, maybe it would be interesting, but. I don't know. Uh, okay, uh, I don't know if any of us have seen much of Jack 2s or Jack Hughes V2.0. I've seen him a little bit. I know Sam's seen him I've a seen bit. Jack yeah, Greg, have you been doing the NCAA uh, circuit much this year, or are you uh, not super involved in that? I heard he's got a good name. He does have a good name. A really good name. Good dad, too, it seems. Um, Brilliant dad. Yeah, so far. Uh, yeah. I, really, I like Jack 2s. Um, he is quite literally the last name in my first round or the first in my second. I can't remember which one, but he's at like the very end of a tier that extends just past the first round for me. Um, in terms of upside skills, tools, and a brain that understands how they work. Now, I'm not so much in how applying them, but how they work. That's There's a difference between them, even though they sound similar. Um He's got he checks most of those boxes off pretty well. His agility is out of this world. Yeah. Like he's got NHL agility, speed and maneuverability, not just one or the other. Um he's got a lot of transition upside. He's got good skill with the puck when he's moving it. It's not perfect and he doesn't do some crazy stuff and he's not the greatest in close quarters. He's also 18 playing NCAA, which the, the, yeah. those are hard reads to make in general. I, I Part of me wonders if he plays USHL this year. Like I, I think he's a player that got a higher stock not playing in the NCAA because his game doesn't translate over so much without physical maturity. He's, I think so he's, he's a bit of a hard read. I think he's I like a really him. interesting case. And like, correct me if I'm wrong or if you think I'm wrong, but I think he's a really good case of a guy who plays with a lot of pace and not much real speed or or like adaptive skill like he's really quick with a lot of the things that he does like his puck receptions past decisions you know just making his decisions and making his little his little plays like if he needs to move his feet or move his hands or anything like he does it very quickly but he doesn't really go very many places very quickly he drives decent results pretty much across the board for me um kind of an inactive player um not the quickest guy but he does have good skill and agility i think sam's right too if he wasn't in the ncaa this year i feel like people would be paying more attention to him i remember watching him at the ndp last year and thinking he was one of the better players on that team and that was a pretty good team and compared to what i'm seeing this year like i'm not seeing as strong a possession player i'm not seeing as sort of evasive a player but you kind of still see the hints that's there he's a center um driving decent results yeah, it's a big adjustment. He's, I mean, he's still also factoring into 49% of the shot attempts his team takes when he's on the ice, which is pretty high, um, let alone for a, an NCAA freshman. That's 16th in my list. Uh, a lot of it is through his own shots, but uh, 
you know, he's also trying to create stuff here and there. I, I don't know. I don't mind him. I, he's right at the top of my second round, but uh, it'll be I'll be interested to see where he ends up going in the draft and, and where he ends up in his career. Um, speaking of the NTDP, who goes higher, Cole Spicer or uh, Devin Kaplan? I mean, my vote's Devin Kaplan. Um, Devin Kaplan. Yeah. I mean, I like Cole Spicer as like a late round guy, maybe, but he's one that of those like a second round guy like a good one spicer's one of those guys where i've seen some really impressive like skill moves out of him in 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 situations but in terms of an actual hockey player i don't i think he kind of struggles to drive good results consistently but kaplan kaplan's like upside 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 like big powerful guy with good skill really really impressive stuff in isolation and i think he got better as the year went on in terms of production like he started pretty slow started to catch up a little bit and i think at the under 18s i thought he played pretty well um so yeah i, I go i go with spicer or kaplan the other one uh sebastian asked if he can hear sam rave about noah oslin for a little bit so sam uh yeah. give sorry me, give i me... missed that my microphone started oh my someone the someone someone asked if uh you could rave about noah oslin for a bit and i'll define a bit as his, 60... his mic just went out i think you didn't hear him well <laughs> 60 seconds we'll give him 60 seconds we'll give him 60 okay. seconds i'll time uh, him hang on let me get my timer out you can think about your answer and i'm going to yell at you when it hits 60 seconds all right 60 seconds starting now okay noah oslin's biggest thing is the fact that the guy has a giga brain inside of his head the the feet are brilliant the hands are brilliant the deception is there that through whether it's disinformation through his body so you're talking look offs um skate placement just baiting with the puck like all of them are there in isolation and he can blend them and layer them together in ways that just create some of the most ridiculous solutions to solving problems i've ever seen and relative to the draft not ever seen but relative to the draft it's certainly at the height oh. and i don't know what that's oh crap uh so combine that with the fact that he is ridiculously good at driving play forward up the ice he doesn't do it a ton but at the u18 show that he can do it and you have someone who's ridiculous in open space to the extent that he is. Uh, you have my eighth overall pick. I don't even need the other seconds. Get done. <laughs> All right. He did it. That, it that's, is in. He started with Giga Brain. All right. There we go. We've, we've got Giga a... Brain is, if I had to make one common, it would be Giga. All right. Giga yeah. Brain it is. Well, now that we're on the subject, this brings me to my next point, which is uh, Charlie Letty. I was watching some yesterday. NDP stuff, and it kind of caught my eye, but I don't know enough, nor have I watched enough to know anything about the guy. Yeah. But he had some things where I was like, hmm, that was interesting in a very positive way. I've seen him once in a while with like some interesting puck skill and just sort of corralling pucks and looking for looks up the ice in interesting ways. And like, I don't, I, I think he'll get drafted. I don't think I would draft him. Like he kind of reminds he's he's like a he has some interesting isolated moments that I like, but putting it all together I think is a bit of a work in progress. Like I've seen him get beat defensively a little bit more often in ways that I don't think is particularly great to him. Um but yeah, I mean I'll I, I'll go check him out just for you, Greg. I'll I'll take a closer look and and see, but yeah, uh, yeah. He, he, uh, he, I've been meeting Charlie Letting doing. Ethan yeah, Barry. Oh, Ethan Edwards. Oh, okay. Yeah, he gives me some of those vibes where I'm like, definitely a later round pick, but there's some things that right. are really interesting here that 
he could bring to the and table. I, and I like Ethan Edwards. He was pretty. He was a pretty good little player back in the day. Uh, okay, let me just pull up his list so I don't. Let me just pull him up so I don't forget about him. Um, what are you? What are you laughing about? What did I do wrong? I just got a DM. I'll respond. Oh jeez. He's distracted off in La La Land. He's, he's so into our thing here that he's getting distracted by those DMs yeah. and all those babes. No, yeah. my phone just... All those babes. My, I had a bunch of notifications go off. I went to go mute it, and then I saw just, like, the first line of something that I was just sent. And, yeah. Anyway. Um... Uh, where do we go now? Where do we go now? Um, great to see the McKean's team. Yes, thank you. Out of the McKean's rankings that was just released, which player is too high and which is too low? So you gotta pick one. Which player? Um, too low? Oh, Slim. Where was he? He was 48? No, he's at, he's, at, he's at 22. Oh, wait. Yeah. Get with the times. Um... Who's forty? Was it Odelius who was that late? One of the year garden kids are too low for me. It's whatever year garden kids S in the forty. Sikoris at forty eight. Uh, Havlid's at forty two, but he's not a year garden guy. Odelius is thirty. Oslin twenty two. Ogren twenty one. And who's the other one? Lakaramaki's at nine. What am I thinking of? I don't know, but you're wrong. Uh, Seamus Casey's the low one. Let's just be honest. Yeah, Seamus Casey's so at thirty nine. That's pretty low. Um, so who's too high? I mean, that's that's the only thing we have left to discuss. <laughs> who's too high? Um, oh, I lost it. There we go. Let's go back to page one. Yeah. Well, and, and I just want to make comments to Sean Ferris. Just... The draft peaked in 2012. Huh? Uh, yeah, you know, it's not, not the worst take I've ever heard, but yeah, I saw on, that. Sean. Yeah. Um, I mean, the draft peaked in 2020. I would say that was that was peak draft. Oh, We're never we coming down. Oh, I know. I'm trying to I'm trying to fire through All them. Right. Um, Who's too high? That's the question. I pulled it up on the stream if you guys oh, wanted to look. Um, uh, I mean, I don't think there's very many guys where I look at it and go, oh my god, this guy's way too high. Like, Connor Geeky at 14, I think, is aggressive, but I get it. Uh, the thing That's the thing about this year, is there's a lot of guys where it's like, ah, it's kind of aggressive, but I get it. David Goyette at 27, I think is high. I don't mind Goyette, I'm but... Just, like, a little bit behind, so I can't even really like, comment on that one too much. I guess for me too high is Alexander Parabolov just because I don't really like Parabolov much at all. Yeah, Parabolov at 25 is really high. I'm uh, not the biggest fan of Alexander Parabolov um, for a multitude of reasons that I won't dive into here. But <laughs> Makes um, sense. Let's just summarize it to the word projectability. Yeah, fair enough. So we had Casey and Paravalov. One's too yep. one's too low, one's too high. Um, all right, on that note, I'll flip back over to your beautiful faces. Um, what does Sam think of me knocking Oslin down three spots? Probably you knocked Oslin down three spots, even after you. all the chalk conversations. Yes. Had? Yeah. Yes. Have you have you not been looking at the screen like yeah. the entire time? It's a I knocked him. I knocked him down a little. Looking at the questions. I'm well, sorry. I'm sorry, why? but I had to. I'm sorry, but I had to. I want um, a thesis on this, like a full. I can't give you that. You get. I, I'm, there's a video coming. He's the, they're the next one that patrons get. So uh, he's he's in that one. So don't worry, I'm you'll see it soon. But I'm. I won't. Sad. I won't make you cry too bad. I mean, I moved sad. him down from like 12 or 13 to like 16. So it's um, not like he's low. But anyway, I still fine. like him. Um, who reminds us of Alexander Holtz in this draft? I'm gonna say Joachim Kamel. I was going to say Kamel. 
as well. That's my vote. But I think the difference between the two that makes it a little difference to me is that I, I liked Holtz as a playmaker. Yes. Holtz is I quicker. I like Mel as a playmaker. I felt so Holtz. I, say I felt Holtz was quicker than uh, than Kamel, and he shoots the puck better than Kamel does. But they're kind of up the same tree, I would say. And yeah, Lekaramaki, okay. I kind of understand as well. Um, someone asked. Thoughts on, on Coolidge being the, the Holtz? Mm, maybe i think i think coolidge also like gets to the middle of the ice a lot more and gets to the net a lot more and just grinds things out a little more like that's what my interpretation of him was like holds still very really... open ice dangerous. yeah open ice shoot the puck in his close quarters and then he gets an open space and he just rips bombs on the net that too but yeah i mean you park coolidge in front of the net he can tip them in or get the old turnaround shot on a rebound or something really well but uh, yeah, I mean, there's I'm just, a couple. I'm just, think, I'm just thinking of guys that like interpret the ice, and then they pop up, and they're just hammering one tees or stepping into. I mean, on the it's a quick catch and shoot. It was really funny watching the Czech under 18 power play because it was literally just get the puck to Coolidge and watch him smash it from the faceoff circle. That's pretty much what they did every single game, and it, and it worked. Like it, he That's scored a bunch of goals. Very effective. It's very very effective. He was pretty good, but uh, yeah, I mean, I could I see where you're coming from. Um, Someone asked me where I had Caulfield going in my mock draft in 2019. I sent him to Vancouver at 10, and then, but so the way I do I, the way I do my mock drafts, if you're unfamiliar, is I have two picks for every team. One is the one my gut thinks they're going to go with, and who then who I would pick. So my gut had him going 16 to Colorado, which I thought was insane at the time because I thought, no, there's no way that Cole Caulfield's going to end up at 16. And, and he almost did. Cole Caulfield, yeah, came, Cole Caulfield came that close, one Mark Bergevin draft pick away from being a member of the Colorado Avalanche right now. Could you Can't imagine? Can you imagine? Before. Thank you, Mark. Yeah. Can you imagine Cole Caulfield in the Stanley Cup final this year or with the Stanley Cup champ or Stanley Cup finalist team, Colorado Avalanche, as they are now on an entry-level contract? It would be it hilarious. It would be a cheat code. They, so have, a, they have Alex Newhook. They have Alex Newhook, who's been good, but Jesus, no way. Cole Caulfield uh, on that team right now would be epic. Yeah, I'd rather just think of Caulfield in the finals my, than last year. My words uh, specifically were, honestly, if the draft allows Cole Caulfield to fall to 16, I may need to move to Colorado, which I still stand by. And he almost did, which is pretty wild. I thought it was crazy at the time to think that, but... Um, and that was after he set a record for goal scoring at the under-18 tournament. 72. Yeah. I yeah. need to say that number out loud for yeah. anyone who just happened to not know it. He scored 72 goals in his draft season in a program where the record was previously, I believe, 58 by Matthews. D-minus like yeah. uh, one, I believe, not D-minus. Yeah. Because he played Europe his draft year, but well, they they kind of you know seventy-two goals. <laughs> Zegris, Trevor, yes, that too. Turcott, yep. Jack Just, Hughes, still seven, still seventy-two, 72. goals, baby. It's the same thing Santa that Claus happened with the Brinket. Seventy-two. Like, same thing happened with the Brinket. I remember watching the Brinket and all of them on uh, like David's draft year and being like, eh, Strom's okay. But this, yeah, little fire little guy. is like way better. Yeah, that was an um, early early lesson to learn. Um, are we going to the draft? I am. Sam yeah. is. I'll be in town, but I won't be at the actual event. Greg, I don't think you're gonna be there. I don't think. Uh, um, I'm unless, in town. Like, how do I even get tickets? 
Yeah, they're they're in the middle of selling them now. There's like a pre-sale going on now, but I don't know about an actual for sale date coming up. But... I've been asked by multiple people, including okay. one that works for an NF NHL team. So but... we'll pencil you in as a maybe then. Yeah, pencil me in a maybe if they pay for my flight. Alright. This one's for this one's for Sam, the resident Habs fan. Would you No wait I what? Oh, you already read it? Josh Anderson, Josh Jeff Anderson Petrie, and a first-rounder for the second overall pick. Second overall pick. <laughs> it's not enough. I, I, Habs fans, we, you guys need to be a little... It's not that I don't understand where you're coming from in terms of like on our side of things, but you got to understand the other team needs to want to make the trade too some of these times, and it doesn't often go in like a BHEM NHL style, where as long as you hit the trade bar, it works. Josh Anderson is valuable in his own right, but the team who will purchase him is not the team that will be giving away the second overall pick. That goes even more so for Jeff Petrie, and a late first, which is what we would be offering them, does not even come close to making up that difference. Even if there's like a different trade package out there that is equivalent to Anderson and Petrie in a first and like the magical NHL be a GM trade bar, it would still be more desirable to New Jersey because it would likely include players of, you know, that suit what they need more. Josh Anderson, these are those are two players who should be traded and can get really good value back on their own or good relative to what people are expecting, but packaging them in with the first is not going to suddenly get us a superstar asset like that. Well, that that assumes the player going second overall is a superstar, but I, I know believe what you mean. Logan Cooley is uh, fair enough. Uh, okay, I also screen capped a, a comment from Billy Bob there uh, that Connor Kurth is going to the Sabers in the third round, so I screen capped that. So I'll save it for post draft analysis to make sure because if he if there's an inside source there, then uh, we're going to be then we're up we're hitting him up. Bob, Bob, Bob. Yeah, we're hitting up Billy Bob. Uh, do we share the same view or opinion of Gleb Trikazov? I know Sam and I do. I don't think Greg's seen a ton of Gleb Trikazov. Uh, I've seen I've seen a little bit. Um, okay, so my, my thoughts on Trikasov is that he plays in the league that he's much better than. Very true. Yes. yes. Um, you know, in a weak draft like it is, I'd probably take him at the end, end of the first. I don't know if I high on him, but I'm not low on him either. I think he has some very interesting tools. Yes. It would be interesting to see them on smaller ice where he really has to compute what's going on. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll stop there. Yes and so yes and no. I guess is the answer. Yes and no ish. Yeah, I don't know where you guys stand on him. But oh, I, 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 he's, I love he's got him. Twelve. Yeah, he's I'm, absolutely insane. In I love terms him. Of toolkit to a point where it's like I feel like you can do a lot of work with him, but I, like, I don't know if the interview went poorly. It's not like I'd still. I'm so convinced that club is a thing that I would be like, oh wow, still a top fifteen guy. But the talent is just like it's ludicrous. It, it drops cool. ludicrous. It's a lot of fun. Rare. Yeah. Yeah. Um so okay, Brian. Uh what prospect in this year's draft did the three of you have the strongest or biggest difference of opinion? <laughs> well <Neil> I, Andre. <laughs> that's a pretty big one. Uh um, but I think he falls outside the scope of the question. I 20, know he does, but 2022... he did win defenseman of the year, not just young player of the year. So did I. Uh, I'm joking. I didn't. Um, I don't did. know. I, I mean, E-League or F-League? Yeah, the, the, 
hockey F all spencer or whatever yeah, yeah. will scotch F yeah player of the f year. yeah f minus league uh <laughs> i guess for a quick answer that i can come up with on top of my head i could say i'm dumbly high on noah oslin will is high but reserved and greg likes him but not as much as either of us so that's a yeah um, um i think we, we all know the answer to this but you just guys keep forgetting that i'm a huge simon nemec fan yeah, look, I mean, Nemich is at six like for me. Nemich. You know, Nemich is also six for me. I I do very much like seeing on Nemich. Just, I mean, Sam loves Sam loved Ty Nelson for a really long time, and I very quickly got off that boat. I mean, I, I, thank you, thank you guys for joining me off the boat here. Yeah, I mean, I still Simon Nemec is a man, third tier guy. It, it's easy right here. Shane Wright, Logan Cooley, Simon Nemec. <laughs> All right, but you fair. Skip Brad Lampert. I See? think that's I think that's forgivable, uh, but I think uh, what was it? oh man what was I gonna say? Um, yeah, I mean like I get the feeling that Ty Nelson is just also I watch him play hockey and I just don't understand what's going through his mind a whole lot of the time, which is kind of frustrating because I don't think he's this ineffective and he slowed down in terms of production over the course of the year. Like he leads my data set in dumped pucks, which. I absolutely did not expect, like, way, way past pretty much anyone else. He's just ripping pucks up the ice constantly, and nothing's happening. But I look at him, and I'm like, well, but you can carry the puck. Like, you can, you got skill. You can be a little more confident with it. But he just sort of, and and in the offensive zone, it's give me the puck, and I'm going to shoot it. That's all he does. Give me the puck, and I'm shooting it. So Everything I like about Ty Nelson is completely removed from the team environment. Yeah, he plays. it's Every, very strange. I, I swear I've only had like two viewings of Ty Nelson this season where I finished it. I was like, this is actually great. I just keep watching them and going like, I can see the player under the surface of what this is supposed to be, but I have lost a lot of confidence that he is going to be like ready for the next step by the time he's 20 in the AHL just because he's not playing to his strengths whatsoever yeah. right now and, is, and is it a, is it a team issue like is it it's not so much a team issue else, or is it him? north bay is really good like this is just their yeah system. the team's like, good this is how they play like i watched a lot when i was doing the nelson piece this is just kind of how they play like they love the stretch passes the defense don't get involved in the rush nelson almost every time he does something cool it's because play broke down and the system wasn't in play and then, or like the offensive structures in the play are their, their breakouts not ready and there's a gap. And then he's just like, screw it. I'm doing it anyways. And then he does it. And then it looks good. Like, like for the most part, like the skills there, the mobility's there, uh, the whole, I think maybe four times in the entire season, he pinched up in the offensive zone. He didn't look lost or out of place. Uh, you know, I think there's a player under there. And if he got traded to a different OHL team, that was more, open to utilizing his strengths then i would be extremely excited about and provided i had a good like this is all interview dependent anyways but i feel like he's a player where when you interview him and you go with a bunch of clips and you're like so what are we thinking then this you're gonna hear a lot of answers that make you feel better about it and not worse it just, at that yeah. point shouldn't he, shouldn't he have just demanded a trade and get out of that environment because it clearly is not good for his skill set maybe or like i mean op- or is that what it is this, yeah, I can't side. speak on that type of stuff. Like I, I, I never know when it's appropriate for a player to force this because I said that with Brad Lambert and everyone trashed on him for moving to Pelicans. Yeah. Right. I so think it's like, fine. But I think about Denton mate what is it, Matechuk? Matechuk. Matechuk. Yeah. Yes, him. Like he has the freedom to do everything. Now if you put a yeah. time else in that, how do you feel about him instead of Denton? So like that's why I'm not high on Denton. I just don't yeah. see it. But I think that's the criticism of him as well. It. Yeah. 
I think that's true. I mean, with Ty Nelson, there's a few guys like that. Like, Brad Lambert's another one where it's like, I watch him play, and I'm like, on the team that he's on, he may as well be literally anybody. Like, you could plug yep. and play Watch anybody them. to play that rule. Just dump pucks, and do dump and chase, and then shoot the puck from the blue line. Like, if that's what you want. They always look less intelligent than they are when because of this. Yeah, so, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Like, if you can get Ty Nelson in the third round or something, like... You may as well. You may as well take the chance, because I mean, Sam, you, you and I were sitting. Were we sitting next to each other watching the top prospects game, or were you in another room? I forget. I think you were in another room. Oh, I was room. in another room. But yeah. I'm pretty sure I know what you're talking about. But we both had. I walked over. Yeah, we both had the exact same thought about Ty Nelson immediately after the game. We're like, man. He didn't really do much, and then in the third period, he just like took off, and in the yeah. last in the last like five minutes, he took about six shots that were absolute rockets from the blue line just absolute cannons and they all missed the net and it's like oh my god this guy you want him to be a thing he's going to ruin every opportunity he has and run himself into the ahl oh god i hope not because i i really like him but yeah, it's really. I'm sorry to break it to like you guys, as, but I don't like him. As I know much as a draft prospect as I did, but as a hockey player, I still very much like Dynels. I just want to, you if know, I was I just... in charge of a team, I'd be on the side where I'd be higher on him instead of lower because I get to. I'm now partly in control of how his development goes and I, have say and influence and things. I just like want that, him. If that's the case, I just want him to be happy. That's all. I just want him to be happy. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. So if he gets drafted by Buffalo, he'll be happy. If he gets drafted <laughs> sure. by anyone else, he'll be miserable. Yeah, exactly. Um, Take him home. Take him home. Uh, someone asked a question of which Russian prospect makes it to the NHL first. Probably Pavel Mijukov because he's already in North America, I would say. That's my vote. If we're coming from Russia, I'm going to probably say Yurov. Hmm. I I'm gonna I'm gonna pull out the whole Dan Milstein thing again. The guys that play for Dan Milstein or that are reg- are represented by him uh, is uh, Trikasov, Grudinin. I don't think Yurov is. Um, well, I don't know. Work. Like how much money? How much know. money? How much money is Magnitogorsk gonna print to keep Danila Yurov in Russia for the next five years? I don't know. I get the feeling they're gonna do whatever they can to keep him there because that's a team that can bankroll their guys, but. That's, that gets into a whole other conversation. Um, do, 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 what do we got here? Uh, if anyone if anyone finds some good questions in the chat, what feel free to bring them up. What first round teams do you think are most likely to want to draft Lambert? I don't know if Detroit wants to because of uh, I don't think it's going to happen. Personality clashes. I don't think what Yeiserman's looking for is what Brad Lambert offers in terms of skill set and just like the need of Buffalo really needing that first line guy. Lambert screams the most obvious pick Detroit's ever had in my eyes, uh, but it doesn't matter because he'll pick somebody else and I'll look dumb. So I will say San Jose is the team that I keep thinking of. He's Part of me it just has accepted this really deep part. Just is like, oh well, he's gonna be a leaf, and that's gonna suck. <laughs> um, it could happen. I, it's gonna be one of those teams. Toronto and San Jose are my two favorites. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Minnesota took him whatsoever. I like Buffalo. 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 Buffalo at sixteen. I bet he'll be there at sixteen, and I bet Buffalo would be an interesting landing spot. Like if Buffalo lands him and Matthew Savoy, like nine sixteen, just go full send. That's crazy. That'd be a hoot a hoot and a half. They might neither of them might ever work out, but they'd be a lot of fun to watch. Um 
but I don't know. It's a wild card. He's going to be very interesting to watch. Dallas really likes good, skilled players. Uh, Dallas doing it wouldn't surprise me, but I wouldn't bet on it. Fair enough. Um, Jordan asked if can, if Sam can skate. Uh, I think I know the well, answer. I mean, theoretically, yes. And that's in not practice, an answer. Actually, no. Actually, that's not true. In practice, yes. But there's more of a. It, you should amend it to can he skate to how long can he skate right before on face or ass or maybe both if I break a neck or something I don't know I, I have really bad balance so it doesn't matter how good my form is I'm <laughs> falling if I need to take an edge I'm falling if Skating. I need to stop I'm falling I this is why I played floorball because hockey and the tactics and everything about it was something that I was and like you know feet work well, until I tore my meniscus, but the feet worked. But I, as a hockey skater, oof, fair. Bad. That's fair. Uh, so, so David St. Louis of EP Ringside is in here. He asked, "How is Jonathan Lekaramaki different than Eli Tolvanen?" And I, I like that question because I, I didn't watch enough Tolvanen. I can answer that because I watched quite a bit of Tolvanen, and I was very. It was back when I was new at this, and I didn't know what I was doing. But I was very curious as to why he slipped in the draft so far. I don't know if it's going to happen with Lakaramaki this year, but I see what he's saying, where it's a guy with an unbelievable shot, and on paper, not a whole lot else going on. Good north-south player, gets the puck up the ice pretty decently well, but is marked by their shot. And I feel with Tolvanen, like, if you shoot, you can generate production either by scoring or creating rebounds or whatever. And I feel like Tolvanen did that a lot. He shot, he shoots the puck a lot, and it's from areas that generally you don't score from, which is why I think in the NHL he's kind of struggled a little. And I think with the Karamaki, like, I think the same thing can kind of happen. And it's just a, you know, I think it's an interesting comparison. Um, I, I don't really know what else to say, but... It's an interesting I wish thought. I could answer this question more because I like I was doing this in 17, but 2018, like I said earlier, was the year where I started putting this all together. 17 was the last of what yeah. I call the idiot years, and Tolvanen's ranking of like 11th or 12th or whatever the hell I gave him came strictly from every highlight video I could find, every half decent gift that existed, and sure. reading scouting reports of people who I'm not going to name names, but look <laughs> back on and go, yeah, maybe that logic wasn't all too good, and I should have thought that one through a little bit. So, yeah, I have, I have two cents on this, and I'd be curious go. if I'm way right or wrong so you have way more viewings than I do on these guys. But Tolvanen struck me as a guy who could really hit a puck, had good mechanics, but he did not have a good feel for space and awareness of his surroundings. Yep. Lecker Maki has a much better feel yes. for space, was popping up the right time, which is a lot more valuable in North American ranks than Tolvanen style. So for me, it's how he feels through space and how he is aware on the ice. And like Lecker Maki at least takes a look and even when he's on the puck, like in transition, he's relatively decent. Tolvanen, like, he was never good on the rush other than, like, if he could get some speed and try to beat some guys. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, that's pretty much a read I would go with as well. Lekramaki's just way better at finding space. There's improvements to be made, but he, I don't really see that being a... Like, I'm pretty shocked if Jonathan Lekramaki is at, not in the NHL in, like, four or five years. And this is why I have Lekramaki number one 
on the uh, Stockholm Four. Number one overall, just period. Uh, yeah, overall. He's just yeah, number, number one overall. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, so you brought him up, actually, Greg, but someone asked about Denton Matejczak. What are his problems, uh, but what's his upside? And I have so many thoughts on Denton Matejczak, but you mentioned him, uh, so so fire away. Can, can I go back to Michael Berry real quick? How would you interview a prospect? Yeah. Uh, visual occlusion. All right. Like block one eye? No, no, like you show a play and then you just stop it. And you're like, oh, I thought you were talking like at the optometrist, you block one eye. Yeah, and then it's like it's kind it. of the same idea. Like you're blocking. <laughs> and so you're, like you have to so like show their forethought, show like how would you process the situation so you can understand like their thought process and how far along they are on it. And then like start having discussions and like seeing how they quickly they can evolve that to like good quality reads. Just a lot of film and see, understanding the brain. So that's how I would interview. I'd ask, like, what's your favorite stuffed animal? Yeah, I'd ask what hobbies they have. What are you interested in that isn't hockey? Just to know. know? Are you interested in like what is your golf? You know, what's your handicap? Yeah, what's your golf handicap? Yeah. Yeah. Sam mentioned toilets. Do you put the toilet paper over the front or down the back of the? No, I was making a reference to the Montreal question. I was like, "Are you interested in grabbing fifty dollars toilet? Is that just a hobby? Do you just go looking in bathroom club toilets?" Man, if there's fifty bucks in a toilet, I'm going right in there. Like you're in the bathroom. There's soap and water. I was gonna say there's gonna be soap and water, and if there isn't, then you were in the wrong bathroom. Unless I have, unless I have like giant open wounds on my hands or like monkey pox or something, I'm not. I wouldn't go in the toilet then. But I'm not scared. It's just a toilet. Like no big deal. Maybe I'm crazy for that, but whatever. Fifty bucks. Yeah, it's fifty bucks. You can buy like a beer with that these days. Um, But anyway. Uh, yeah, um, Denton for, for, on on the yeah. note of toilets. <laughs> yeah, for, for me, like I don't like how he actually defends. Like he doesn't actually ever stop movement. Um, right. Like his risk reward decisions really confuse me a lot of times. Where it's like, hmm, you thought that was the time to go. Now, you've got Seamus Casey, which was working on his defensive game way too much this year, and like that definitely hurt his offensive upside, but like you can see that it's there. But Tate Chuck, like he's gonna have to learn to play defense. It's kind of like Boquist. Only I see him as a poor man's Boquist. Uh because I don't think he has the awareness as well. Um and he like he has problems with puck position. Like he exposes it a lot. So I, I see a lot of issues that he can get away with because he's faster and more aggressive and assertive at this level. But when guys know what they're doing, he's gonna fall off a cliff. Yeah, I mean, I see Denton. Mate- I I like I like his sort of. He's a pretty predictable player. He's I think he's not. I don't think he's skilled enough to play his style of play at the next level. Like he kind of knows how to get away with it now. Like he's got the straight line speed at times, or at least the intensity to push guys on their heels, but doesn't really create a whole lot of separation but he knows when to pass the puck too like the dude is the number one inter- number one guy i've ever tracked i think in terms of pass attempts like he's passing the puck almost twice a minute which is a lot uh that's a lot of touching up the puck um and he's completing his passes pretty commonly like it's about 71 percent, which is pretty solid for a guy passing the puck that much What's, but, what's the high? Is the is it just that he's touching the puck a lot, or are you seeing a lot of high danger stuff? Like my no. problem with him, well, that's is the I thing. don't he's, see the dangerous. No, part he's along. shooting. He sh- he drives a lot of his offense through his shooting. 
Like that's how he kind of does it a lot. Like he he runs around switch the outside. Him to, yeah, switch him to a forward. Yeah, if you make I'll, him a wing, you could make him a winger. Like he's he's would, yeah. I take him right off the the defense. Like I would draft so, him and convert him. He's so much more involved offensively than he is defensively. But you know, like I think Greg's right. Like defensively, he puts up actually pretty good results in the defensive results that I track. But so much of it comes from where he is on the ice and guys. You know, he's pressured on dump like other teams will dump it and he's pressured on the retrieval and he just like gets low to the ice kind of grinds out from that pressure and just sends a pass to his d partner and like in my data technically that's an uncontrolled entry where he's a pressured defensive dump in but that doesn't carry as much value to me as someone who's stick checking a guy in the rush or physically getting involved with a guy on the rush and i just don't see that a whole lot with matejuk he kind of gets very passive around that so i don't know he if he goes like 11th overall like i could see that happening i wouldn't do it i have him ranked more like i think it's like 27 or 28 like late first you know maybe you're right maybe he is a winger maybe he's a forward at the end of the day but i i look at him and i go okay well a lot of his offense comes off of rebounds and a lot of sort of sometimes stepping up in the offensive zone a little bit but i find that he's a lot more of just a guy that grabs the puck and wheels around the perimeter with it a lot you know, making little simple touch passes here and there and just always involved in play, but not really like taking over the game. And I just don't think that the the footwork, the agility and the skill is quite good enough to make it work at the next level. But I've been wrong many times before and he puts up pretty decent data in many, many areas, but it's not about what he does now. It's about what he will do in the NHL. So maybe there's a winger there. That'd be kind of fun, but I don't know. Uh, the only thing I'll add is... Um... I've become more open to the idea that Matej Chuck's transitional game is with some refinement and some control. And I don't mean control in terms of like skill. I mean like mental control, like not forcing passes and, you know, having the puck the entire game. He could be a decent transitional player. I'm not entirely convinced of the whole like chain of events though so let's say defensive recovery after a defensive stop to facilitating the breakout to getting involved in the rush and that whole sequence i don't know if he's going to be very good at most of the things on that list but in terms of the actual first pass being a deceptive puck mover at time he's just such a weird read man he's so hard the the level of activity offensively the inactivity not so much inactivity but just relative to the ridiculous amount of offensive activity it's just like he's so unique there's not a lot of players you can look back on and say like okay well last time i ran into this he, he was that was player x and player x was this and this is how we spanned out the next three years and maybe this could have been better if this or this happened it's just like there's really no one to look at with him you're looking at it and just going like yeah i don't know mm-hmm. <laughs> Some people see a top 10 guy. I've talked to them. I can see where they're coming from. It's not my thing, but I can see where they're coming from. Other people have them lower than we do, and I can see where they're coming from, and nothing feels wrong. And this is mostly just where I go like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Every time the question with Matecha comes on, every time we're on here, and I say, I, I say the same thing, and it's just like, and it ends with like, I just don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I just I don't, don't know. know. Like, scares me i guess because the guys that play like him in the nhl are like ruthlessly skilled and like ruthlessly evasive and really quick 
and I just don't know. I feel like he has a ways to get to like, he's you know, some of those skills aren't even NHL average for him. Whereas these guys were like above NHL average. Like let's just use Kale McCarr in the AJHL, the most ridiculous extreme example there is. But he was just like a god amongst men in that league. Whereas like, so he could have the puck to that level and just dominate with it the whole time. Whereas Matejchuk is just not that. Yeah. And it it makes it hard to read. I want him to be a thing. I would love to be wrong about this because if he's a thing in the NHL the way he is now, he's going to be one of the most fun players of the next decade. He'll be very interesting. Very yes. un, very unique player, I think. I don't know about best, but unique. Um, someone asked if the, if any of us are the GM of a team drafting Lambert, do you try to get him to North America ASAP? My answer is yes. I uh, put him in the... I, Someone asked earlier something about where would you play Lambert next year, and the answer is AHL. Maybe depends depends on the team. Like some AHL depends on the team, not. but I think in terms of just like level of competition, smaller ice, like I think yeah. he's definitely talented enough for it. Liga did not let him show off how good he is this year, and he's someone who needs to play high level hockey like high high level hockey, and sooner rather than later, unless there's a mental confidence thing that i'm not aware of in the age yeah. do a lot of damage um <laughs> nice uh <laughs> oh boy that microphone placement is really good too it looks like he's about to say something very important to the crowd uh so is there a realistic chance columbus gets one of the top two defensemen well we talked about this a little earlier about uh simone nemich i'd be surprised if either of those two guys were available there but if they are then yes you probably just walk up and draft those guys um do you think luca del bell will lose last until they're picking the second round probably apparently they gelled at the combine whatever that means to you i don't know but he'd be a reasonable guy to land in the second round i think um do you have any oh my god someone asked about a kazakh player do you have any thoughts on aldiar nurlan i watched him months ago and then i watched him a bit at the u18s this year um i don't know i find him to be a bit of a guy he's probably the best player out of kazakhstan for this year's draft but that's also not saying a whole lot uh as much as i love uh kazakhstan congratulations on the new uh government constitution by the way uh they voted on that this week i believe um so good for them um uh do we have any thoughts on cutter goche we've talked a lot about him but i don't think we've gone into like detail i guess we kind of did off the top of the yeah, show we started off on detail with him i think the cutter goche is just like i think why a lot of people are high on him and it's not a wrong reason is um you can look at him and you'd be like okay well that's going to be a pro hockey player like it's just really easy to look at him. And yeah. Be like, okay. Well, that's good. It, it's what you said earlier. It's the it's the close quarters games, the way he manages the puck and space in close quarters, and was able to come out of it and make plays in the right read. And it's that alone goes speaks volumes. Like that's a really tough thing to look at and project really easily right away. But like, I don't think any of us have any concerns about uh, Cutter Goche in that aspect. Uh, in terms of like a super high end attacker who, once he's in open space, is just utterly destroying defensive structures and just cr- constantly creating high danger chances, not sold. And I don't think that's really going to be his game. Greg's and I, bo- I, I Greg's think bored. Yoda would agree with me. Yeah, Greg, Greg's bored. For any podcast listeners, Greg Revac's been cycling through Star Wars backgrounds and now he's on the. <laughs> The Jedi, the Jedi Council scene from, I believe, episode one with Mace Windu and Yoda looking over his shoulder. So, 
Greg's having a great time tonight. Um, I, I'm enjoying all the backgrounds. You showed me how to do it. Yeah, yeah, this, yeah you shouldn't have showed us how to do this. Yeah, it was I'm so, putting this the angry thumb on. I know. I'm not. I'm not judging. Oh, there's a thumb. There's just Sam's thumb. I'm keeping the thumb. Yeah, just this keep the thumb. I guess. Uh, yeah. Throw, really if anyone wants time. some good background, thankfully, the, uh, thankfully, we're uh, approaching the end of our stream here. Uh, <laughs> thankfully, so we can all go back to our lives. Um, but uh, someone asked about Zach Benson for next season. I'm a huge fan of him. I think Sam's seen a bit of him, but I. Yeah, Zach Benson. We don't we don't talk too much about 2023 guys. It's too far away. It's too many years away. We try not to get hyped ahead of time. Yeah. Seriously, nothing. The 2020. I can't put into words how much the 2022 draft was hyped. Mean, but just like let me down. And it's not anything the players did because I didn't watch them ahead of time. This is all just the word of mouth. Like I remember seeing some of these names back during the 2020 draft, and then seeing them through at 21 and there was the whole like oh 2021 is weak and it's a weak first overall and when power shouldn't even be that which i mean yeah but um there was just so much discussion about how next year was gonna top it and every like i remember draft meetings were starting and people were like oh like their videos would be posted let's just get this one over with it's next year's coming up anyways and talking to people in private and they're all saying the same thing and here we are a full year <laughs> later and all were wrong every go one off. of you who did that was wrong go off and i'm very mad at all of you and yep. i am not falling for this again for another i'm not comfortably rating a draft class until it's the calendar you heard changed. you heard it here so when it's 23 is when I will finally make the definitive statement of whether it's yep. good. Uh, um, okay, can one of us be excited for 2023? Because that top four is pretty sick. Oh, no, it's absolutely... Oh, Adam Fantilli and Connor Bedard would go 1-2 in this draft. No question. Easily. Like, by a mile. Those guys are absolutely. unbelievable. And I'm yeah, comfortable saying that. Too, I, would... and who I got reservations for? about Michkov, but sure. I like well, Michkov. Oh, well, okay, time out. I know this is... Yeah. About this draft, but we, we need to break that down. Reservations? All the guy does is score. So it's, it's like yeah, that's, saying, that's oh, I got reservations on Gretzky. I, all he does is score in the MHL. I have, I I don't know. I I love the guy can score for sure, and but he, he shoots World Juniors and scores. Like, he shoots. I, I don't know. I don't know. He shoots from everywhere. His shot selection is weird. I, I I don't think he's well, he's got a ton of pace or skill to him. He's re- I mean he can do lacrosse goals. He drives a lot of his offense from below the goal line too. Like he loves to get really deep in the offensive zone and and really sort of mess around down there. I don't know. Works off the net, fantastic. I mean he's like Pasternak there. He just like works off the net, pops up, boom. All right. Like he, his his reading of space is I mean, well, he's got plenty of time to. Oh yeah, to we still got a long way, way to go. Yeah, we got a yeah, long way to go. Like, yeah. Just the just way that he plays the game is is quickly unreal. asking Greg, who is your fourth for twenty three? Um, you said your top four. I, I, I know swore, like Benson's pretty pretty decent. Oh yeah, Benson. Okay. Am I, I going crazy? Pretty... I mean, who no, no, no. That like, I don't. Geez. That's re- I don't know enough to say whether or not that's crazy or not. But there's Benson a... seems like a guy who I'd be a year from now be like that's a top ten guy in a good draft. Yeah, so. there's a good group. There's a good group next year, but there's I am not. An yeah, someone. Group. I just won't rate them yet. Someone mentioned Braden Yeager. He's another one, but yeah, yeah, Yeager's good. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, Quentin Musty, Callum no, Ritchie. I mean, it's probably top three, and then yeah, the rest. Leo Carlson is sick. Leo Carlson's good, but yeah. In terms of like guys where I'm comfortable right now, being like these guys are awesome compared to this group, there's it three. would be Fantilli, Bedard, and maybe I guess Meechkov too. 
Uh, I would take all three as a number one. I would overall. Pick yeah, and... yeah, I guess so. I'm being nitpicky. Um, which teams have the best prospect pools going into the draft, and what teams stand to improve their pools the most built up based on this draft? I mean, Montreal could do some absolutely. Say Montreal has a chance. That's this the easy one. Like, honestly, it's so hard to say which ones have the biggest chance to improve. Just Seattle. So Seattle, yeah. But the thing with this draft is just like this is what I was writing something about this because this is a part of the final ranking intro that I was writing earlier, and it's the draft itself may not be as high level as it should have been. <laughs> but the evaluations leave a ridiculous amount of room for upside and later picks more so than I think in your average year. Like if Noah Oslin is a second round pick, then that's a better second round pick than you can find in most drafts. And whoever gets him might be walking away with a big time player. If Brad Lambert falls out of the first, then you're just sitting there laughing. Like how often does a player of that quality make it to the second round? If I opened up recent drafts, I don't think I'd be able to find men more than Logan. a handful. Logan Stankoven. I don't, I and mean, he's sweet, but that just proves the point even more where it's just like Logan Stankoven and Olin Zellweger and those guys last year were unreal. Second round None picks. Of them would be as good as Brad Lambert falling to the second round. That one is just screaming like, hey, I might be like, I might change your franchise. But, you know. Second round picks are valuable. That, yeah, They're might be a third round super pick. valuable. Or, I, sorry, third liner. It's like, I don't know. But, I mean, there's a lot of potential in this draft. Like, someone could theoretically, the Habs could walk away with, like, Shane Wright, Brad Lambert, Noah Oslin, Gleb Trick is off, Lane Hudson, yep. with their first, like, five picks. And then... Seamus Casey. Just, and, Shane, and then trade up their other ones for Shane. And then you walk away with those six, and you're sitting there, like, I don't care that the draft wasn't good, because I think I got six of the 16 best players yep. there or something like that. Like, I don't know. So Detroit, I it, think, has a pretty good system going in, and then they, they've got three picks in the first two rounds, which is pretty decent. Um... Carolina always drafts Carolina, well. yeah. Like, never not draft well. The Kings have been drafting really well. Kings pool is... But I don't, I don't think they have that so, many picks. Uh, but anyway, it doesn't matter. Coyotes um, have franchise changes. Well, yeah. The, most likely squander. The Sabres have three first-round picks. They could, they could do some damage there. The Ducks have a pretty decent system now. They've got four picks in the first two rounds. Um... There's a few teams that could really do some damage that are already kind of on the right path. Uh, I mean, if you're looking at the top end of the draft, it's it's got to be the CBJ and uh, Buffalo since they actually have picks towards the top end of the draft. But other than that, like, let's see your draft well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, it's just too hard to say because if I come up with a list of like the teams I think will draft, I've done this the last two years where it's like, okay, these are like the eight or nine teams I think will just have a really good draft. Half have half managed to not live up to my expectations. And at first I had to go like, okay, well maybe I'm just wrong, but it's also not aging well for them so far. So, I mean, my picks probably if I was to pick in their spot, wouldn't be aging well either. So maybe it's just a lose, lose all around. So it's all, it's all lose. Welcome to the NHL draft. Everyone yeah. loses almost all of the time, no matter how much time you put into it. Exactly. Um, what else do we want to close out the show here with? Uh, what's the difference between the Holinka and the U18s? Holinka starts at the beginning of the year. The U18s are at the end. Um, and I'll, I'll add that the uh, Holinka is not IIHF. It is. It's, it is not. Yes, that's true. Yeah, and that's draft year, not calendar year. Holinka yeah. is like the first 
tournament. It's the kickoff. It's the kickoff kickoff show. August kickoff show. Yeah. Late April, May closeout show. Uh, what's the defense system skill difference between the QMJHL, OHL, and WHL? Well, what I do know is the Q is at the bottom, and the OHL and the Dub are probably pretty close to each other up top. Hey, look who it is. I don't know who I'm picking out of the O and the Dub, but the QMJHL's last few years have been not good not that look i'm a habs fan and i know there's the whole like we want to draft out of our backyard thing but they're the last player from the qmjhl to truly impress me that wasn't alexi lafayette was maverick bork like maverick bork i lo- i remember watching him being like this dude is insane and sam Russell gerard Blank, 21 <laughs> yeah sam but gerard was like what 2016 or something like the, Oof. like we're Jordan Dumay scored over 100 points, and there's a lot of teams that don't even view him as like a top 64 guy. Bob McKenzie's January ranking, where Dumay wasn't on his highest point scoring streak that he ended the year on, he was almost 80. I know most of the public draft teams are pretty low on him. I watched all of his points in quick succession, and I was looking for anytime Jordan Dumay. This is probably the perfect way to summarize the queue. I watched all of Jordan Dumais assists. I was looking for any of them where he was creatively manipulating a defender out of a passing lane and then timing a skill move to advance the puck into that dangerous area for the shot. He had 67 assists or something. There were five that matched that description. And I was, if I'm being extremely generous on a few of them, then there were maybe 13. So that was the cue just moving out of his way more often than not of just like a defender going like, you know, I just that the right face off circle just looks like a beautiful place to stand around. I'm just going to go over there and then easy pass, easy goal. There, there's a lot of dump and chase and one-on-one hockey in the oh, queue, yeah. and it's really, really yeah. rough. To yeah, watch. I mean, all three leagues kind of do that. Like that seems to be the Canadian way, but the queue kind of doesn't execute it particularly well i don't think um yeah the q's execution is just off their systems feel outdated the players are just like they they 1v1s i feel like is the best way of describing it they they, yeah they they just they see their matchup and how it fits in with the other like the whole macro scheme is just gone it's now just like all right well let's just get ours it's funny uh, that we're talking about the Q because the game four of the Q- QMJHL finals is tonight. Schwinnigan's up 3 nothing in the series. The game's over. Charlottetown won 7 nothing. so I guess Maverick Bork sucks. Uh, it was a good GG. It was a good, uh, good fun. never a good hockey player. Good fun Anyone while it lasted. Never said otherwise is a moron. <laughs> Duh. It's going to be really fun watching him in Dallas with another skill guy they drafted way too late. Oh, many... Maverick Bork to Dallas. Dude's, just dude's so almost two points per game. Almost two points per game in the playoffs this year. Two points per what game plus he? in the regular 67 season. 67 points in 28 games in the regular season or something stupid like Six, that. 68 and 31. Which is just <laughs> dumb. That was dumb. I watched a few of them, and I was just like, he's—it's like he's not trying his best. He could get more. Yeah, he's a good. He player. was just taking what came to him and then manipulating it when it came. Like he's just like he's a—he's easily the best example of a player in the in the CHL right now who is just like a literal league above his own. <laughs> he's a special like, boy. Yeah, a special boy. Well, well I think, it was, it oh, was really interesting in his draft year. 
how he pretty much completely changed his playing style from the year prior. It's kind of like Sillinger, where guys didn't just try to maximize their value in that draft year and to draft as high as possible, but they actually went and did something. They built about, upon what they had last year without trying to like showcase it or showcase their old skills. Yeah, and, and where I got picked up on that with Maverick Bork in particular is with Mitch Brown, so shout out to him on this. But he was talking with the head coach of Shawinigan, which I want to say is Daniel Renaud. Renaud? Renaud? be wrong. Renaud? Renaud? Dan- yeah, or maybe it was Gordy Dwyer. One, one of the guys. Um, yeah, Dan, Dan Renaud. Yeah, and basically they're like, yeah, we're turning him into a playmaker. It's like, and he's a better what? playmaker than a shooter now. Like, easily. Like, uh, he's a brilliant shooter and his ability to find space and create space for the shots and be deceptive pre shot and build upon that and create passing. So, uh, you know, it's all there and it's brilliant. But, like, just the actual ability to identify lanes and just manipulate bodies out of the way and the timing. It, I think more than anything, it is just the timing. He just. Everything is so beautifully timed. That's why I think we, when he leaves the queue, he's just gonna be like he's gonna transition pretty smoothly because as if the people he's playing with are on the same wavelength as him, and they're just like, oh well, if you can make that pass, I'll be there. He's just gonna start making it every time because it's not like the queue where it was a bunch of isolated one v ones, one v twos, two v three all over the ice. It'll yeah, be like a full cohesive five v five thing, and Bork is going to just destroy in that environment. Well. Time will tell. Okay, I got I got my one last piece here. All right, I'm gonna be yeah. way too early on Do 2025 it. draft. Adam Banach. Who the hell? I don't. Oh, <laughs> I, I remember nothing. you saying. I uh, vaguely remember a conversation. Yeah, you show you draft. you threw you threw an 07 at us, a five foot six 07 from Czechia. I know Michael Misa, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, and for 2025, my 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 boy, uh, what's his name? Porter Martone, one of my faves, but uh, okay, I'll check him out. I still haven't so, seen him yet. So I'm just telling you that this was like the sickest peewee player I've ever seen in my life, <laughs> and I've been tracking him ever since, and he just continues to age like fine wine. Okay. He's, he's going to be him and Misa for number one. Interesting. Okay. And I, I have a feeling that he, he may outdo Misa, just Misa's, you know, got the North American bias, so. Yeah, of course. But uh, yeah, as, as a 14-year-old in the U-17 league, he led them in points per game, so. That's not okay. that's not bad. That's not so bad. Yeah, he was the only 07 on an entire national team that was full of 05s. Right. And they had zero 06s. Okay. So yeah. I'm throwing it out there now that this guy is sick. And I'm all I'm all in on flunking out for the 2025 first overall pick. <laughs> Good to know. All right, guys. Uh, I think I think that'll be it. Uh, it's been two uh, hours. Fair point to call it. Yep. Thank you very much for joining me. As always, we'll do this. Uh, maybe we'll be able to squeeze one more in. Maybe after the draft or something. Uh, yeah. Before the end of the season, just I'm to pretty close sure things I'm up. I'm going to be in the same living space as you during the stream before the draft. Around the draft. Dur- yeah, during the draft. Yeah, well, yeah, before the draft, Sometime we'll we'll figure we'll have some fun. Yeah. We'll we'll think of something to do, um, that that week we'll have lots of fun. Uh, but anyway, thank you very much for joining us, everybody. Uh, we'll see you next week, uh, next Wednesday night. 
same oh no yeah next week it'll be wednesday night for me because i'm out thursday uh so wednesday 8 p.m uh we'll do a stream so thank you very much for joining me and uh thank you to the uh to the team for uh for joining if you have anything to say to the to the small audience i have uh speak now or forever hold your peace if you didn't get enough out of my 60-second Noah Uslan ramble, that's okay, because I wrote a full, way-too-long piece once oh, again yeah. on he did. Uh, Noah Uslan for McKean's Hockey. Let's have a conversation about Noah Uslan. You can find that on McKean's Hockey. Uh, that's my plug. All right. <laughs> Greg? Or are you... Go, uh... go, go subscribe to the Hockey IQ newsletter and go listen to the Hockey IQ podcast, particularly the one with... Uh, Thomas Pacina, or, or the one with Marty St. Louis, or if that doesn't roll your boat, I mean, Daryl Belfry is not a half terrible guy. And then also make sure to check out the legend, Will Scouch, his episode on Hockey IQ. Podcast. Oh, God. Yeah, true. It's been a while. Got to have me back on. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You need to. Yeah. You just let me know. I'm a little yeah. backlogged. So, All right. Uh, Whatever. If you get on now, you'll, you'll be out by August. 2026 for Adam Benak's report. I, I can't wait to be a part of this one because I'm going to be like, yeah, I told you so. <laughs> All right. Again, remind me in four years and we'll circle back. All right. Three I, years. I will make sure to do so. It's, it's high on my list of priorities. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> All right, everybody.